Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. On episode 20 of the Galen Trombley Show, we have Nicole Klein. I do not know her official title, but we just call her the garbage lady. Uh, She works at Casella. Um, She is a phenomenal person. Uh, We got into her background of growing up in the sticks, uh, where you can barely even find it on a map, Um, kind of her upbringing, her love of hiking, the mountains, um, hammocking. She talked about her time in New Zealand, her tattoos, and also we um, go into our ski trip that involved me basically barrel rolling down uh, Whiteface Mountain. So I hope you guys enjoy episode 20 of the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Hello, uh, this is episode 20 of the Galen Trombley Show. Um, This is a big day. We've moved into a new decade. We're on the 20s now. Um, Today I have in studio... Turn the thing down a little bit, but in the studio we have Nicole Klein. I met Nicole um, kind of through mutual friends and kind of like a business um, after hours and things like that. Uh, but again, you know, I've always enjoyed talking with her, and then I wanted to have her on because I think she brings, she's got a good mix of super professionalism, but then she's also she she she's uh, I think a backcountry girl at heart. So <laughs> I think this will be a good perspective. So Nicole, welcome to the uh, Galen Trombley Show. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> is, is, is this your first podcast? It totally is. Okay. And I'm probably going to be weird. <laughs> that, that's all right. You, I, think, I think you already had mentioned that listening through the headsets is already kind of weird. But you, you'll be fine. You'll get, you'll get used to it in about 20 minutes in. You'll probably be like, yeah, it's all good. So, um, Nicole, for people that do not know you, just kind of go a little bit into your background. I guess how you sure. came to be 2019, Nicole. Ooh, that's a few years. I um so originally, Wait, how, how old are you first no you can't you're you're against that <sighs> all no. right okay so she, she's under 30 she's in her 20s I, I, I am can say that right you can okay. and I'm I'm over the hump I'm about to turn 27 okay so I'm feeling a little better about that 26 wasn't that feeling still good. makes me feel I oh, wish I was that age so you're, you're good fine. you're, you're fine. good okay. it's not 40s yet <laughs> no, you're, you're good Keep going. um so originally I am from a very small town called Hopkinton um which is way out in the sticks between Malone and Potsdam and I grew up off the grid. We lived on a seasonal road. Um, indoor plumbing was not an option when I was born. Um, we had a generator, and yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely roughing it. Um, so grew up middle of the sticks, um, spent a lot of time out playing. We didn't have a whole lot of, we didn't have TV. Uh, my parents thought that that was a weird idea, strangely enough. So that kind of formed a lot of my, my childhood. I just love playing outside and hiking and canoeing and all that stuff. Um, ended up graduating from Potsdam High School. I moved when I was in high school um, and then went to SUNY Potsdam um, for the most useful degree in the world of anthropology. My parents obviously did not give me any guidance in that department. <laughs> Um, so I always tell people that I was professionally trained to talk to people for a living, um, <laughs> which, which is about the only thing I got from that. Um, yeah. And then after I graduated, I, 
honestly, I, I did really well in school academically, but I didn't love it. I was more research-based, and I grew up with a, a blue-collar working family. So um, I ended up telling my, my advisor in like 10 days before graduation, while he had gotten me, gotten me scholarships in um, a couple different places in Canada, like full rides to grad school, I told him that I had absolutely no interest in going to school again and being a researcher because I wanted to be happy. Um, right or wrong, I packed up my bags, went to Lake Placid because that was where the mountains were and uh, started working at a hotel and kind of walked my way to Plattsburgh from there. So, so, so how did you end up in, I mean, I've had a few people on from kind of that, that area, the Potsdam or West, Western part of New York. Um, most of them went to college at Plattsburgh and, and you're probably the first one that did not say that. So like obviously Lake Placid, which the closest I would just kind of city would be Plattsburgh or I don't even know if you call it a city, but a destination kind of spot. Um, so how did you, what was your first run in with Plattsburgh? Honestly, it was around jobs. I, so one of the, one of my friends that I went to college with, her parents lived in Plattsburgh and it was only, I only lived in Lake Placid for about a year and the jobs just weren't great. I mean, good career opportunities. Like I learned a lot of stuff in Lake Placid and had a lot of opportunity to try really big stuff at a young age in my career, but I mean, I was making 12 bucks an hour at most. So, mm-hmm. and you always had the stress of like, am my hours going to be cut even in a, even in a management role? So it just wasn't something that I saw myself building a career in long-term and I really wanted to stay somewhere. Um, home wasn't an option either. There weren't really many jobs around home that I saw a good fit for. So I started talking to my friend who was living in Plattsburgh at the time. And we had always thought maybe we should just live together, save a couple bucks, um, have an apartment. And I just started looking at, at a couple of jobs and ended up starting my career at ETS. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a lot of commission-based work, but there were a lot of things, like the whole job evolved as I was there. So um, I think I, what did I start out as? I started out as like a, oh my gosh, like an admin coordinator type person. So kind of marketing-ish. But you weren't in commission-based at that point? No, it was just hourly and they were able to, I mean, there's, everything's better than seasonal hourly work yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it got me in and within like a couple months I ended up recruiting right away um which was cool it all just kind of happened naturally and I really liked I like the environment here I mean it's definitely coming from a town of like a couple hundred people it was huge to be in Plattsburgh so I liked it and I guess so you pretty much have stayed north your whole life for the most part kind of northern I mean did you ever at any point move away live somewhere else in college travel yeah so in high school I actually lived in New Zealand for a couple of months oh cool um totally thought I was gonna stay there forever (laughs) do you know what Vegemite is I do okay keep talking it's awful it's really awful I tried it last I tried it Sunday morning on the last (laughs) podcast I was going to die. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> My throat's just recovering. Sorry, keep going. So you were in New Zealand and... Um, yeah, so I, I volunteered between my junior and senior year of high school. I volunteered doing community service out in New Zealand and did some like like outdoor backpacking for a, a month um, and then community service for a couple months. And I was like dead set that I was going to go back to college in New Zealand. A little bit slower pace of life there. Um, applied to the school and then realized as I was figuring it out that their semesters don't line up because it's in the, the opposite hemisphere. So like winter, summer, just switch. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So I would have had to start college in, I think it was January or February when my graduation wasn't until June okay. or I would have had to take time off, which was not an option for me. So I ended up like pushing everything forward, trying to graduate early 
And I think just the culmination of realizing, like, I was going to move to another hemisphere in a 16-hour time difference where there are times where you're calling your parents on a different day mm-hmm. at 17 years old, graduating early. Like, how the, how do I legally do that? And Wait, this was in high school? I was in high school, yeah. Oh, I was 17. Okay. So, man, I, I missed that. I was in college. Okay. No. I literally... So, so you were like an exchange student style. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. I, I researched this whole program. I totally want to go abroad. My parents were like, yeah, that's not going to happen. We're not going to pay for that. Mm-hmm. And so I researched the whole program, applied to all the scholarships within the program, didn't get a full ride. So I fundraised in town without ever telling my parents in like about four weeks or so before I was leaving for New Zealand as a minor. I told my parents I needed them to sign the paperwork so I could go and was like, hey, I raised all the money. you're like already committed. Everybody was like planning on you going? Fully paid. Fully paid by our community without my parents knowing. <laughs> wow. 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 That brave. Okay. So. Yep. So went there, got too frustrated with trying to figure out the logistics of... Where do they speak? So I lived in a small fishing village called Apodiki. Like if you were to look at the Northern Island, there's this huge bay okay. on the Northern part of the Northern Island. It's about smack dab in the middle of that. Um, and the Maori population is very prominent in that area and they speak Maori. Um, but it's one of the only areas where they still speak very strongly Maori. Most of it's English. And that's like, that's like a community based, um, dialect or whatever they would speak there. Or is it its own language? Or is it kind of like when you go to like Africa, they all have like the communities all have their own little special language. Mm, It's kind of like, I mean, do they speak English? Yeah, they all speak English too. Um, but it would be like if you were to go up to just, they spoke more people spoke it. It would be like if you went up to Akwesasne. Mm hmm. And they were speaking their native language. I guess it was very similar to that um, because it was very similar dynamics to our native communities, too. Mm -hmm. Um, But like like I said, 75% of the 70 to 75% of the population spoke Maori. So was that their main language? Mm -hmm. So like if you're like walking down the street or going to a store, they'd be talking that. Yeah. Could you understand it? it Not at all. Okay. (laughs) But, But most of them would know English, though, enough that you would. Yes. So they all they all knew English. It's just they may choose not to speak it. Okay. But but you me. forced them into it, be fine. Or like, were you with the host family? I had a host family. Oh, I ran away from my host family. Wow, this is <laughs> moved. <in. laughs> this is All great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Back up here. So, <laughs> oh, I was not a very good seventeen-year-old. Um, I had a host family, and my dad was the mayor of this small town, which was like about the size of Potsdam, maybe okay. a little bit smaller. Um, and he was very like. Mm, he was very bougie, like husband and wife slept in a different room, which kind of creeped me out that they were not really together, but together. He asked me all these things about the economy in New Jersey and was disappointed that I didn't know them, which, okay, looking back, I probably should know if I'm leaving the country, like have a general concept of the different states, yeah. but yeah, I wanted to drink instead. So I ended up making friends with one of my bosses at the places that I volunteered and she and her husband were from Hungary and like weren't officially citizens. So they're kind of like, mm, kind of a sketchy situation, we'll say. They would speak and like whisper in Hungarian around me at all times and then laugh and smile. <laughs> but we made really good friends. <laughs> and so one day I was like, hey, I know you want me to go on this like special trip for you that's going to be campaigning. I'm going to go drink with them. <laughs> and with with the hung- Hungary people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I ended up staying with them for the majority of the trip after. <laughs> so what did the original people did they just like at that point cut ties with you didn't care um oh 
the did you ever speak to them again? I did. Did you have to like get a signed paperwork on the way out? Like, um, they did have to give me my belongings back. The host dad wasn't happy with me because apparently they have cockroaches in New Zealand, which like, okay, I've lived in, you know, the middle of the sticks. We don't have cockroaches here. And I didn't really think about like general housekeeping tips. So I had a wet bathing suit that was hanging over my luggage and it had stayed there for like a couple weeks because I didn't come home for a couple weeks and ended up lifting it up when I went to move and there was like an infestation of cockroaches underneath and they had like a perfectly pristine beautiful house as you would kind of expect in the mayor of this town so it didn't go over very well um and he was pretty good like he wasn't very happy with me I did stay with them for a little bit right before I left she the host mom was the sweetest lady on the face of this earth and I, I still like I feel so guilty I was such a jerk um because she was just so nice and caring but she was like a grandma yeah and I was like a 17 year old who wanted to party in a different country yeah yep and we, it, he wouldn't talk to me. Like, I don't think he would have spoken to me again, but one of the nights before I left, we had a major, major earthquake. Like, if, when we looked out the, they had this big glass window near my bed. When you looked out the window, it looked like the grass was the ocean. It was so big. And I'd never been through an earthquake in my life and yeah. like totally freaked me out. And he grabbed me out of bed in the middle of the night and we like stood in a doorway, whatever. And I was obviously terrified and they're used to it down there but um i think that kind of broke the ice because he talked to me after that like having to rescue me in the middle of the night and i mean everything was totally fine it's normal for them so but had we not had a major <laughs> event i'm pretty sure you would never speak to me again uh so yes i did live in new zealand for That's a little crazy. bit that was two months you said uh three months three months and that was yep. what what was the dates again on that oh my word because you said it was opposite i of- was 17 so almost 10 years ago Mm-hmm. Um, it was between my junior and senior year. It was of during high the summer. School. Yep. So it was Our their summer winter. Their winter. Yes, okay. which was totally cool because I got a winter of skiing at home. Mm-hmm. Went to New Zealand, got to ski all winter there. Oh, you And could. then came back and got to ski all winter Do they here. Have, they have skiing there. Oh yeah, we get out. So I, I. I don't know much about New Zealand. Like I always just think it's. I just think it's warm down there. No. So I was in the North Island, which is the warmest part. Again, it was their winter, which was probably like. Mm, like 30s and 40s um but we hiked up there's like four volcanoes in the center of the mountain and we hiked up a live volcano which okay to some people who live near them that's normal but to me it was totally cool yeah that's sweet we built snow caves on top of the mountain like kind of like an igloo Mm -hmm. slept in them and then skied down skied down the volcano skied down the volcano wow totally the coolest thing ever and we skied down to a hiking trail we left our skis someone picked up our skis we hiked for like three days out in the middle of the woods and then ended up ended up um we were supposed to go on a little bike trip in between but we had to get a uh, ride i don't remember why maybe the weather was bad or something then we ended up like going down to um this big river and ended up canoeing for like three days after that so it was like straight you went from skiing to hiking to canoeing because the elevation change was so dramatic. What was it? I mean, was there a big temp- temperature drop? Because you, you said you went swimming, right? Because you had a wet bathing suit. So you said swimming. Uh, they had a hot tub. Oh, okay. okay yeah. So no. I was thinking, I'm like, man, they've got a real big... No, we we went canoeing, but we had to canoe like in wetsuits and stuff. Um, did, did you... How'd you get up the volcano? Was it just hiking? We... Or did you, Was there like doing? a... I mean, was there a ski lift? I mean... We didn't take the ski lift. We ended up... Um, so it was a, It was like a, you know, regular ski resort. But I think was, we drove up and hiked halfway up or so. I think... That, yeah, that's what we did. Because the, we didn't go all the way to the top. But the ski resort was on the edge of the, the volcano? Yeah. We were on the opposite side of the ski resort. Wow. It was totally cool. That's I, sweet. I thought it was going to like erupt in my sleep in my snow cave. Which would be a really good story. When's the last time it erupted? It was probably like hundreds of years. Probably, before. but they were like, it's super active.
like, oh my God, there'll be lava. Well, could, you look, could you look inside and was it like bubbling? Like, no, but it was, below? it was a, we didn't go all the way to the top, but it was like a perfect conical volcano. And the one next to it was a perfect cone as well. That's cool. The one next to it, oh God, I can't, Nyaruhoi was the name of it. It was the one that was used as Mount Doom in the uh, Lord of the Rings. At least that's what people told me. The locals told me. I want to believe that because that's really cool. But I'm pretty yeah. sure it was because there was a lot of filming where I was of Lord of the Rings in that area. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, is the geography like I never I never watched Lord of the Rings, so I don't oh, know. But but is it kind of like Game of Thrones, like kind of that mountainside cliffs? Because like most of those I think are filmed kind of in like Scotland, Northern yeah. Ireland, kind of thing like that. So is it similar? Um, like kind of a lot of the like the cliffs with the grass on it and the mountainsides yeah. and things. Definitely those grassy big rolling grassy hills that yeah. are semi-mountains um really the only mountains mountains that i saw again because i was in the north island which is pretty flat comparatively were the volcanoes wow but they were like it was like flat and then got these massive volcanoes i've seen one volcano in my life and it was in italy Ooh, Vesu- mount vesuvius is oh that, yeah is that's that the one that was like that erupted over pompeii yeah yes so i went to pompeii cool i actually um when i uh this was in high school too. This was about ten years ago, a little, a little longer. I remember going over there, and you know when you get like I'm the kind of guy like if you know when you get souvenirs, like I don't need a souvenir like a magnet, like mountain mm-hmm. soup, whatever. So I actually like I don't know if I'm supposed to do this, but I took two. So when I was in Italy, I took two stones back with me. So I took a stone oh. back from Pompeii. Cool. It was like the the pumice looking yeah. kind of stone because it was like legit, probably from the volcano whenever it erupted. Yeah. And then I remember taking a stone from the Colosseum. Like, oh, I just, no, yeah, that's so dangerous. I don't know if you're supposed to do that. So I'm like, <laughs> you so, just so I'm said like, this live. I'm probably not going on that. Well, <laughs> tape delayed, but we're, uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to like go around telling the Italians that, but I just like, I kind of figured like out of all this stuff, I might as well kind of, that's kind of historic. Who knows? Maybe that was their original stone from like four, cool. four or 500 years ago. But I, 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 I borrowed them both. I'll bring them back at some point. So um, you saved it, yourself. Yeah. But, but it looks kind of cool. Like like the pumice stone from like um, Pompeii was like legit, like a normal pumice stone. Like you would see, like if people cool. like, like scratch, like use like in the hey. shower or something. But um, that's really it was very like porous and, yeah. and uh, I don't know. I thought it was cool. Maybe it was. It definitely was not a replica because I grabbed it like in a spot that you probably wouldn't want to grab something out of. Kind of like you know, like a legit like. <laughs> Yeah, I had worked to get the stone. Oh it wasn't like gosh. I just grabbed it off the sidewalk. Like it could have been anything, but um, I don't know. I'm always kind of fascinated by that kind of stuff, like local, um, either like beaches. I remember yeah. I had a teacher in high school. She would collect sand, or students would collect sand from her. So if they go like traveling, they would grab sand from cool. the beach. They put it in little baggies, ziplock yeah. it, and tag it. So That's she had cool. like black sand. She had the really coarse yeah. sand. I think someone went to Hawaii and they had like a like the was it the black beaches or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you had people that would like semi-local beaches, you know, yeah. they'd go to like Maine or something. But there was a few all over the world and she had this whole board and they were all tacked up so you could go and feel the different sands from all around the world. So it was kind of like cool. a cool thing she did, which looking back at it now, like I kind of like, that was a brilliant idea. Yeah. Back then, you're, you know, you're 15, 16 year old kid and you're just like, oh, cool, sand, whatever. Yeah. But uh, I just thought that was cool. Um, so, awesome. so New Zealand, they do have a skiing. Yes, they do have skiing. They have a lot of skiing in southern New Zealand. That's crazy. How there. long have you skied? Uh, very long, but I'm not very good. <laughs> okay, so to preface this, I've gone skiing <laughs> once with Nicole. She, she's very, I, I think you're very technically good. I think you are. You're, you, could, you could ski almost anything, I think. I think I'm a granny skier. 
I think you're. She she she's good. She she she's she's skied way more than I've ever skied. Oh, Actually, funny. I think you were the one where um, I was just trying to. It took me about twenty minutes just to put the boots on. Yes, that's true. So I uh, did have to mom you with the boots. Yeah, she did. She did. <laughs> I was actually excited. I remember going up there, and uh, we got up there, and uh, poor Meg was about the same as me. Like I'm not. Yeah. I'm not offering much when it comes to skiing. I really don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm kind of good once I get up there, but like I don't know how to really like. I'm kind of one of those like kids. I don't know how to dress myself to go out and play in the snow. But once I'm out there, I have a good time. So I ended up like walk. I didn't even know you were there, and like I saw you, and I was so excited because I was. I've never been to Whiteface. I was lost. I was oh like, I don't know where I'm going. I, people like I don't even know how to put my boots on. And, um, so luckily, we ran into you, but oh, made, made me feel a little better. Um, so no, New Zealand's good. So you came back, and then yeah. that then you went to Potsdam. Yes. Yeah, so, what made you go in? Sorry, what made you go into anthropology? Oh, I don't even know. I, I took know. an anthropology class. I mean, like, anthropology is, is the study of, like, human culture, right? Yes. So it's not necessarily, like, bones and things like It can be. Yeah. No, the archaeologists deal with the dead people. It, yeah. And then the anthropologists deal with the ones that are still alive. Yeah, so we took some classes, which was semi-cool. We learned about different, like, cultures and stuff yeah. at, at Plattsburgh State. But not enough where I'd want to go into that field. So what would make you like that? Was it... I have no idea. I truly don't like. Because you stuck with it for four years. Oh my god! I like black. Like I have a black hole of a memory of when I decided this is a great idea. <laughs> it wasn't bad. I took a. Um, I kind of crafted a lot of my degree to what I wanted it to be um, by just doing different elective stuff that I could make fit whatever I needed to. Mm-hmm. So I ended up focusing a lot on public policy and um, kind of how culture shapes the way we respond to certain things. So I, I got a, I applied to and was fortunate enough to receive a grant to conduct a couple year long research project on how, what public policies were in place in Keene when um, Hurricane Irene came through and like how volunteerism filled all the gaps in between and how the culture of the small town communities really was the reason why they they succeeded so well um, through the volunteer efforts. So I was really interested in that kind of thing. I was really interested. I, I thought of doing more like public policy related stuff in grad school or it also looked at um, like ecotourism. So um, just trying to understand how people understand their surroundings and what their interests are. But um, coming from very small communities and having lived in so many very small communities, both here and throughout just all my travels, um, I was always interested in how that culture kind of shaped people's decisions and how they developed a sense of community, I guess. So I tried to shape a lot of my programs around that kind of stuff. Did you go to grad school? I did not. Like I said, I 10 yeah. days out. I was like, no, I'm going to be happy. Now, what? So when you went for anthropology, was that, when you just said, that was like going to graduate, that was your goal as to what you wanted to do? So the biggest thing that I wanted to do, oh gosh, I can't even remember the name of the grad school now. So there was a grad school in Vancouver okay. that I ended up getting accepted to. And as I've kind of like had formulated the idea, I'm like, okay, I like, I like jumping off cliffs in the middle of the woods and hiking big mountains. And I guess I can do some research. So what do I do with that? And I was like, okay, well, some of the ecotourism and that kind of stuff, um, 
community and economic development and community planning. That all relates to all the pieces that I'm interested in. Um, And they had a program out there in Vancouver. And what their focus for me would have been in my grad program was to help. um, Oh, my gosh. I can't remember the name of that big mountain. There's a huge mountain out there. In Vancouver? Yeah. It's a huge ski resort. Is that Whistling? Whistler. Whistler? Whistler, I think. think. So. It's in British Columbia? It's yes. Kind of, yes, okay, yep. So they would have had me focus there um, and help redo their tourism program from an anthropological lens of how do you develop this sense of community when you come and experience a place. Um, so, I mean, it was really cool, but I started thinking about it. I'm like, I don't, like, my family's over here. Yeah. My dad's really old. It's a really long flight. What, what's, your, what's your family like? Dysfunctional. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> Are you, are you like shameless? You're one of those. Uh, we um we are proudly dysfunctional in our family. Do you have siblings? I do. So my mom, my mom, I have a sister on my mom's side who's 15 years older than me. Okay. Um, and my mom, my mom was born. Oh gosh, she was born in born in Alabama and then grew up in Louisiana. Then like ditched it to California for her teenage years. And then at 18, like hauled off and went to Alaska. So a little bit of backdrop, like wild and crazy mom. And, um, my sister, my mom ended up moving from somewhere in between, not too long between Alaska. She ended up in Florida and my sister was really young at the time and met my dad who (laughs) my dad has been a carpenter forever. It sounds wild and crazy. Um, my dad's been a carpenter forever, and he was a carpenter. She was a bank teller. He was a carpenter in Florida, but he was only a carpenter a few months out of the year because he was actually a full-time sailor. <laughs> like, he was sailing in the Bahamas, and he would come in just to fix his boat, take a few odd jobs to make enough money to restock the boat and go out on in the ocean for, like, eight, ten months. Um, and so dad wooed mom, little mom bank teller here, yeah. <laughs> who's got yeah. these starry eyes if I love traveling the world. Uh, so mom... <laughs> Mom wanted to raise my sister. Mom wanted to uh, homeschool my sister on the sailboat. And like they were sailing in the 80s. And my dad had been, my dad sailed for almost 10 years. And so in like the 70s, of course, I don't really know how real this is, but I got like, I want to believe it. I don't want to believe it. Dad was like sailing at the tail end of the Colombian drug trade where there weren't really rules in the international waters. So he'd talk about like, man, things just happen and people start shooting at you and you know, you just got to survive. And I'm like, okay, these are not childhood stories anymore, dad. So wildly dysfunctional, like I'm telling you, wild and crazy people. Um, they ended up, we had, my dad had a cousin who lived in the middle of the sticks in Hopkinton homesteading. And he was like, well, if I can't sail, might as well homestead because what else would you do that's away from people? <laughs> so they moved to literally the middle of nowhere in Hopkinton, like seasonal road. We had a hundred acres. I think we had a little more than a hundred acres before dad started paring it off, but had a hundred acres. They moved in in tents. Like literally my sister was five, I think. And they moved in and lived in a tent while dad built the house. He's a carpenter. He's built houses from the ground up forever mm-hmm. and made my sister, which she will never let go, take cold showers uh, out of like five gallon buckets outside all summer long until the house was built. Uh, and yeah, mom worked with dad for a while as a carpenter, which I think is pretty darn cool. And um, yeah, my my dad has two kids as well. Um, who? Oh gosh, let me do the math. Felicity is 14 and a half, so say 15, 24. So my sister and brother on my dad's side are twins and they would be 24 years older than me. So oh, wow. they were like late teenagers and they, I think 
both of them, yeah, both of them ended up staying with my mom and dad in Hopkinton um, when they were like their teenage years of high school, but like things didn't go very well and they ended up going, my sister went off to the service and my brother just moved out. Um, but I never really ended up super close to them because yeah, age is a huge age difference. Do you see them a lot? The three? Siblings? No. So, um, unfortunately, um, when I was three, my brother passed away oh. and my sister really had a hard time emotionally after and hasn't really been the same since. Yeah. I mean, it's her twin. So, um, I hear from her once in a great while. She's a diver out in Key West. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Crazy so family. Kind of fall in the f- a totally crazy. Was, was that your... That was your... Half-sister on my dad's side. Oh, okay, so she kind of followed your dad's footsteps. Totally, yeah. The water, water child. Yep. Um, and then my sister on my mom's side, I talk to her regularly. Um, she lives out in Massachusetts now. She is like the most normal, which almost makes her weird. She and her husband are both um, psychologists and you know doing big things in the world white picket fence all that good jazz but uh not the rest of us (laughs) i was gonna say so my uh i mean i i i think i met you i'm trying to think when i actually met you i think i met you up at camp yes we put a roof up well (laughs) i held the roof in place that's okay i I held that ladder in place pretty well too yeah so I i was very limited but i remember uh I met you obviously through Adam, and I think he had uh, described. Um, I think when you guys first kind of met, and he was talking about you, I didn't know who you were, and everything he was saying, I'm just sitting there in my head. I'm like, oh my god! Like it's literally like he found a mirror image of him of the opposite sex, and and uh, and then when I ended up meeting you a little bit, like I kind of like got the glimpse of it. Like everything he said was pretty much spot on, and uh, having known you. Since, um, probably a little better now because yeah. you know, we've actually talked more than we did back then. <laughs> and uh, you just reaffirm everything that I've kind of found out. Like you're, you're very, oh like I, I think you're you're almost like. Um, I'm I not wanna, crazy. Don't call me split personalities here, Galen. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, like, you know, like your personality is the same. Your day to day, it's like you go from like. I don't even, it's almost like you're like like Superman goes from like business attire to throws the cape on. Oh yeah, you're like dressed super professionally. Probably one of the, one of the most, I guess, best dressed young professionals that I know. That's a compliment. Well, I I mean I don't. I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> for the most part, like you you're one that you could like wear a nice suit or or, or yeah. skirt or whatever and look good, and then like couple hours later you were in shit kickers and overalls and and, and you changed like and, and to be honest you probably have all of them in your truck like I we do. talked about you probably have a little bit of everything so um you're, you're a very uh dynamic i should say a dynamic young professional oh, um but i think now kind of hearing your backstory i get it yes like it's not like it's not like where the heck did she come from like oh actually i'm surprised how she got here kind yeah of, i yeah. figured you'd be jumping off the uh, key west with your sister there so you know did you ever go fishing out there like no i haven't like, you've never been like like deep dad sea never fishing, took you out no. watering. So dad, unfortunately, my dad's had a lot of health problems, like since I was pretty much since I was born. So he hadn't been able to go sailing. And, you know, I mean, we enjoyed the local things, but I think between that and just work, I mean, my dad's owned his own business. He owned his own business, let's see, 14 to 70. I don't know. Do the math on that. <laughs> Your dad's in his 70s now? Yeah, he's in his early 70s, and he wow. just finally reti- retired a yeah. couple years ago. Yeah. So he's going to do a side gig now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but, so, but he's still doing the carpentry, and that's... 
he or did that was his gig for yeah so he built houses um he started out just doing like little stuff because he literally started his business at 14 years old building a root cellar for somebody wow um which was super cool and um anyway it sent into more and more and he ended up doing building developments in florida um before he went sailing before before he went sailing yeah um so he would do like he was the gc and had several crews that would come in so he had like the framing crew he had the electrical crew Mm -hmm. he had the painting crew you know all that stuff um and he would build like entire developments in super short time because he'd just send one crew through the next to the next to the next and you'd have a house in two weeks yeah which is crazy um and then he took it back here and he did more custom homes because his specialty was like the kitchens and baths and he worked on a lot of the um like not the huge crazy things but like the small multi-million dollar mansions um you would do like kitchen baths in there but like all the ones that are really 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 far in the sticks in like western st lawrence county or on the way to and in saranac lake area so it wasn't like the classic like placid stuff mm-hmm. but it'd be stuff that'd be like i didn't even know that was there like we're going so far out and he would do some pretty cool jobs so i think that's like <clears throat> i i think about where we live now like Plattsburgh, if you go, obviously, the northern, very top of, of the air of New York State, like, Plattsburgh's the most populous area. Yeah. I would think, or very darn close to it. Yeah. But, it, like, as you start going out to, like, the Adirondacks, like, I never really grew up in that. Oh. I, I know friends that, like, now that have come, like, you, Adam, yeah. um, even, like, Ellie and Brittany and stuff, they, like, they lived, like, out in the sticks. And, like, mm-hmm. we, it was funny, because, I mean, our only... I mean, every once in a while, you'd have to drive out there for, for stuff, but I never was really a Western New York kind of guy. So mm-hmm. I've driven, like, out, basically, I've been talking, like, Route 11 down, yep. was it 37? Like, not nothing, like, extravagant, but, I mean, there's times we'd, like, play some of these schools in soccer. Now, granted, we were playing at Plattsburgh or Potsdam. Okay. But, but like, you would get these kids, and, like, they would, they would like, show up, and, like, where the hell is that location? Oh, and then yeah. you, like, Google it, and it's never, like, one school. It's, like, oh, yeah. two towns merged to make a school to have enough kids to, like, yeah, have a true. class. And uh, I always just found it funny, and then all of a sudden I'm, like, Colton Pierpont. I got a buddy from Colton Pierpont, but now mm-hmm. you from uh, Parrishville, um, right? Parrishville, Hoppington? Yeah, Parrishville, Hoppington is where I went to most of my school. But, like, you're from Hoppington, though, not Parrishville. All right. So, like, how does that work? Is there two separate towns? Yeah, there's two towns. We have like E Town Lewis, we always played, which was technically two towns. Yep, so it was two separate towns. Um, but I mean, in fact, oh, this you know, a little political here of the North Country. So, Parishville and Hopkinton merged to make that school, but like, for example, my sister graduated there and her graduating class was like 25, 24. Mm-hmm. Mine would have been in the low 40s if everyone graduated, which I mean, the likelihood of everybody graduating is pretty slim. So, mm-hmm. um, but it was so much like it was pre K through 12 in the same building. Same. Just struggle to keep enough people to, from a financial standpoint, keep the school going. Mm-hmm. So they actually started looking at merging and making a new school. Um, Colton Pierpont, who was our rivals, which, mm not going to happen. Um, they were even smaller. They were like almost half the size. Um, wow. And they wanted to merge Colton and Parrishville together in those schools. And I think, I want to say Colton Pierpont's like two towns plus another like half a town. Like South Colton's technically, there's South Colton, Colton, and like the Pierpont area. So mm-hmm. anyway, it would have been like five towns. The bus routes, I think they said the reason why they couldn't figure out where to do it is because they didn't want to put the school because the bus route would have been like an hour and a half long. That's crazy. Could you imagine? Mm-hmm. School starts at seven. 
Well, I think St. Lawrence County is the largest by geographics in New York State. Because mm-hmm. like uh, you take like NAC up here, Northern Adirondack. I mean, like the bus route, you have kids in like Ellenburg Depot. I know. And then they got to travel all the way up to Ellenburg, which if anybody knows that route, that's not like you're talking 20 minutes, but you're talking like 20 miles just yeah. like just to get the school. Of course, I went to um, I went to Shay Z, which is very similar yeah, in size to those schools. Small. But like I grew up a mile from the school, so like to me, that's nice. like. It was actually kind of funny. Like, I was the last kid picked up. I say last kid. One of the last, like, two or three kids picked up. So our bus route to school is less than 10 minutes. Coming home, though, they still follow the oh. same path. So it would be like an hour ride to get back home. That's awful. Um, yeah, so that kind of sucked. But as I got older, I kind of I could walk home. Like, I yeah. take the bus in the morning, but I'd, like, walk home in the evening just yeah. so I, or afternoon. So I'd be home by 3 o'clock instead of 4 o'clock. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, there's there's not... It's small out there. Like, it's it very is. rural. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Well, I mean, the fact that, truly, I have yet to find a more, in that part of St. Lawrence County, where I grew up is probably one of the most remote roads that has anyone living there full-time that I know. Like, I took Adam out there, and he had this, like, concept of of where he grew up, and you know, he had neighbors and things like that, but, like, it was. It was a very remote area, but he still had neighbors. And he saw where I grew up, and he's like, oh, my God. Like... I kid you how, not. How, how far were you off a main road? Mm, somewhere between five and seven miles. Wow. So I couldn't even ride the school bus because the road stopped. Can you Google map your house? Can you see it? Yeah. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, bring this up if you oh can. Oh my gosh. This, this is, is this is a thing that I want to, we got to get better at because I've been doing my phone so I don't have it, but I got to have my computer because the last one we were on too, there's a couple things that came up and we, I call it fact checking. We got we to gotta check facts or, <laughs> or, or make sure that we're not just saying something bullshit that we know that's you know oh well then you might want to fact check all of me because i'm pretty good bullshitter (laughs) no that's good that's good um well i mean i i guess we'll um (laughs) that will lead us into your new you're not a bullshitter on this i'm sure you do really good but (laughs) i was was just thinking because garbage and shit you know works out so (laughs) nicole is the trash lady i am the trash lady And, and uh which is funny because like i said you're very professional but then you have the background where you can like i said you can talk trash so i I sure can so let people know what your current role is and kind of what you do on a daily basis but i want to see where your house is while you're talking okay so that pinpoint is me you can see where the road is i'm basically looking at a big thing of green it's a forest (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't have a house she just lives in the woods oh goodness um so yes i am the trash lady i do the commercial and industrial work um for plattsburgh up to the border in canada um yeah i do i do really interesting stuff i mean i do a lot of the regular like hey can you haul my garbage and my recycling and what is recycling and that kind of stuff but i also do a lot of really really in-depth industrial stuff um like big equipment sales and trying to just improve the process that they have for their trash, which is really exciting for me. Um, I do also a lot of random, like I have 50, 58 tons of bubble bath. Do you know how I can get rid of this? Oh, <laughs> somebody told you this. Yeah, I removed it. So I get a lot of random, random things that people need to get rid of in high quantities. Um, but yeah, very exciting. Wait, where's your actual house? Sorry, um, is that like part of the 100 acres? Because there's no house on that pinpoint. All right. So, Hang on, let me find the road. That's fine. So do your thing. Um, so so you're in the commercial, the commercial sales department area. So yes. A co- one thing I have a question on. So commercial sales, one, how does, it, how does it differ 
than residential, meaning I know like residential, like I have bins from Casella. Yep. But you guys, and I know it's obviously business related, but is there certain sizes? I know people grab, you know, you have the actual um, trash, I say not bin. What, are the, what would be the big, tra- like the one right outside here? What's that called? A dumpster. A dumpster. Jesus. Yes. Okay. I, you know, again, my brain's kind of fried right now. But so you have a dumpster. But so yeah. that, would that be classified under the commercial division, or would that be residential? That'd be that'd be commercial. So you can okay. even have like the containers that you have at your home. They're called toters. It's just the brand that makes them. But mm-hmm. um, they're all the same size, so we we call them all toters. Um, the there is commercial service with toters. Like all your folks on Margaret Street are probably aren't going to be able to fit a dumpster back there. Mm-hmm. But they also aren't going to bring it curbside. It just. A, yeah, not, it doesn't like work. Like the monopole is not going to throw it out front or, yes. or Sam. Yeah, exactly. Sam yep. So they do. Um, we do like backdoor service for them and walk-up service, whatever you want to call it. Um, and we do provide them containers if they can fit them. Some of them has to be bulk, which we're trying to get away from, which is like uh, where you'd actually have to handpick stuff mm-hmm. um, in tight areas like that. We do the commercial dumpsters. Um, so they have two, three, four, six, eight, and ten yard dumpsters. Wow. Um, ten, ten yards. Mm-hmm. What companies have those? Me. Huh? Me. No, what company so? <laughs> um I know you you run that but like what what what, com- what company like just you might have like a really big apartment complex that would have it. Okay. Um sometimes restaurants might have a 10-yard container. 10-yard. That's a big. That's big. But some people can fit I, They fill it up pretty quick like weekly, I have restaurants every, that have bi-weekly? an 8-yard which just cuz a 10-yard's hard to fill. Um, like a regular restaurant in town, nothing outlandish, but like stuff here on Route 3 in Plattsburgh, mm-hmm. who might have four pickups on an eight yard a week for trash Jeez. only, and then two pickups of a recycling container wow. on top of that. Can you, when it comes to recycling, mm-hmm. you have the recycling bin, you have the trash bin. Mm-hmm. When you throw stuff in the recycling bin, you don't have to sort stuff anymore, right? Correct. So it's zero sort, but... The recycling materials are zero sort. Like a lot of people think you can put your th- trash in with your recycling, but you can't. But like a recycling like boxes and cans and bottles and things like that, that can all go in the same. Yep. So there's... Egg cartons. Oh, it's actually really cool. So I kind of geek out over like... Because Josh told me about this, um, who works with you, um, and he was trying to explain it, but I'm always like, when I grew up, I like rinsed out everything. Yeah. You don't have to do that, right? Yes, you do. Or we won't oh. take it. Okay, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> like, spaghetti, so I like spaghetti would, jars and stuff? Uh, yeah, I always tell people, if there's schmutz on it, I don't want it. It's just going to go in the trash. because. Oh, so you guys really won't? Like, it doesn't just, like, process when, down? No, when it goes to the facility, it'll end up, usually end up getting trashed or pulled out. Um, so do you have people physically there sort, sorting? It's a combination. So there's, um, I'm still trying to find my house, by the way. <laughs> yeah, like, it's that far out, I'm still scrolling. Oh, maybe? Nope, nope, we're good. Um, it's not a There's joke. like no geographical landmark. Like you need like, to look for the swamp with the pond. Oh. This is incredible. Your parents still live there. No, no, we had to sell the house. It was just my dad and I that lived out there. Um, oh, 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 maybe, maybe. Nope, nope, we're going to go. How long ago did you guys sell it? Um, we sold it when I was oof, 14 or 15 maybe. So when I was 12, our, we lived so far out that like, if you can believe this, my dad left for work at 6.30 in the morning. I was at school um, with my mom that night. And dad left for work at 6.30 in the morning, came back for lunch at 11, and the whole house had burnt down and no one ever noticed. The entire house was gone. Yep. Wow. And, I mean, that's it was just so remote. No one was ever going to see Did it. Did people know you lived out there? Yeah. I mean, they knew they lived out there, but, like, people aren't going to check on your Were there people your on your road? 
No, I mean, um, not that that aspect, but like, were there people that lived on your road or was your road just a five mile long nothing? No, there are definitely people on the road. There was um, a maintained section. Oh, it was going to send me backwards. That's why I couldn't find it. Um, so there were people that lived there year round, like on a paved end in the on the Hopkinton side of it. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it that went all the way out into the sticks, like kind of closer to Parrishville, um, it was all hunting camps. And in fact, we cut off parcels of our land and like sublet some of it to some folks for hunting and wow. whatnot um, and built some hunting camps out on our par- property too for friends. Um, all right. I have to scroll the other way, Galen. <laughs> okay. So we'll keep talking. We'll keep doing yes. this. Um, so the other thing I wanted, to, uh, which one, you said you haven't drove the truck, right? The trash truck? I haven't, I'm not, oh, I haven't driven it yet. I don't have a CDL. Are you working to get that so you can drive? I want to. Or is that just kind of like just something that'd be super fun to do? No, I really want to. Um, okay, so that's my house. This road back here was actually a road that we made, and these are the camps that we had built in the back. But my house was in the front with the pond next. Adirondack Park was the road? Or no? No, when, it, when it's an unnamed road in the middle of the woods, they, they call it Adirondack Park. <laughs> oh, my God. True story. So you've been to those those camps, the ones you built back there? Yeah, my dad built them. It was actually going to be my brother's house. I mean, you got to figure it was over, it was originally over 100 acres. Yeah, that was going to be his uh, next door neighbor house. <laughs> What's all this right here? Swamp. That's where I learned my best fishing skills, or frogging. Dad taught me to frog So first. you guys had the pond? Yep, dad built the pond. Oh, okay. Uh, it was a stream that went through and he just dug it out. And we stocked it with fish so we could... Uh, so how, how big... Fish. What's that? The garage? Yep. That was garage and workshop. Wow, this is... This has got to be since... Oh, yeah. That's the house rebuilt. So the house burnt down and we ended up rebuilding the house, which was kind of cool uh, You know, as a young kid to get to rebuild the house with my dad. But it was just too much to stay out there and have to rebuild a generator every winter. So Santamore was your road? Santamont. Santamont. So you would drive out this way? Yes. To get to like civilization? It's still civilized out there, Galen. How, how far were you from like school? Uh, oh, twenty-five minutes. Okay, Parrishville. Yeah, sticks. I'm telling you. So Potsdam. There you go. Yep, there is civilization nearby. We used to. I used to have to go shopping. The only shopping that you could have when I was growing up, at least, was the Walmart in Messina. There wasn't one in between Potsdam and Canton. So we used to have to drive almost an hour to Walmart for all of our shopping or 30 minutes or so into Potsdam um, if you just needed groceries. It's pretty remote. And now I'm in the big city living of Plattsburgh. Yeah, I guess so. You moved on up. It's, you know, it's, it's a big city for me. Okay, so I don't know a lot, but then you have, okay, SUNY Potsdam. So Clarkson's right there too. Yeah, Clarkson's right in uh, Potsdam. Hmm. I don't think I've ever been to Clarkson. Where's St. Lawrence? Is that? It's uh, in Canton, the next town over if you go west. Oh, there we are. Okay. See, I don't, I know the names like Governor Edwards. Isn't there a school called Edward Knox? Edward Knox. Knox. Edward yeah. Knox. You always call it Knox. Edward Knox. Oh, that's hilarious. Is it? Is it, is it where, where's Knox? Is that really a place? I, it is a place. Herman DeKalb? Oh, Yeah. Big city of DeKalb. Man, there were some there were some buttes out there. There's some funny <laughs> names. We should just make fun of them all, but 
Yeah, so we'd go to Augensburg. That's about as far as we went. Hewelton's way out there. Isn't Harrisville or Harrisville? Yeah, there's a Parrishville and a Harrisville. I think Harrisville is as far out as you can get. Yeah. Yeah, right down there. Like Harrisville, it's almost a Fort Drum. It's like 20 minutes from Fort Drum. Indian River. So we we played... uh, we played them before too, and they had like travel up, and oh yeah, I felt bad because we. Uh, sorry, here you go. So I felt bad because <laughs> they ended up coming um, up for soccer, and I think we beat them like ten nothing. Oh. And I was like, you kind of felt bad for them because like it's almost one where you just like you made it that far, but you almost want to just call up and be like, okay, like we're good. We got to like we don't want to travel six hours today. Oh my god. Um, but so um, you don't drive a garbage truck, but the other thing cool yes. about you is you do drive a truck. I do drive a truck. That's new. It is new. Which I found out when you were going to buy a truck, I kind of thought it was funny, but then I realized that it's just, that's kind of like the it's natural practical. progression of your, so what, what, what was the, what was, so why'd you get a truck? Well, okay. So I used to drive, I called it the toy, tiny toy car, okay. um, but it was a Subaru Impreza Sport. So it had like the hatchback, mm-hmm. but I drive some, some months when my old territory, not as much now, but still I drive thousands of miles a month. I, I live for like 35, 40 minutes from Plattsburgh as it is. Mm-hmm. And that's south of my territory. So like my first meeting of the day might be an hour and a half drive to get to. And I drive all day in my personal vehicle. That's right. Cause you go all the way to the border. Yeah. Wow. Literally like most of my meetings, my first meetings will be right at the border too. Wow. So, so you just work your way back home. Um, I'll usually stay in a town. We have enough customers in each town that for the most part, I can stay in a town for the full day. Gotcha. But you're doing a lot of driving in between. And the car, number one, the car didn't work out because it was so low to the ground. And I was I drive in mm-hmm. unpaved parking lots all winter. Yep. So, or unplowed parking lots. Yep. So that didn't work. Um, and then it wasn't a very good family vehicle because we have small horses for dogs. <laughs> so Three of them. Three mini ponies. Yes, they're big. They, yeah. So we couldn't fit them and us and the kids in the car. And I had been in so many almost accidents with like all wheel drive. And I'm a, I'm not the best driver, but I'm absolutely a well-trained driver. My dad had gotten a CDL and like made me go through the CDL defensive driving course. And like I had to do a backward sliding figure eight on ice at night around poles, light poles before I could get my license. This was your father doing this for you. He or made this, me this do was, it. Yes, but this wasn't like a legal test thing. This was like back roads. No, this was like, daddy don't sign off until you can do this. Could kind of like <laughs> kind of like earn your stripes kind of thing. Yes. Okay. This was done. This was done like privately on the side. Yes. Okay. But he made I'm me, saying, like, I don't think I've ever had to no. like. I've had anybody ever say that. Oh no, no. And then I ended up taking my driving test in an ice storm. There, there you go. Perfect parallel park was the only reason I still got it. <laughs> but um, so like, I'm not the worst driver, and I just putting thousands of miles on a month i was just in so much frustration and too many almost accidents with mm-hmm. just the bad weather so i wanted four-wheel drive and then like you can get an suv I'm like dude i don't want a mom mobile like yeah. i don't want a mom mobile I, i've secretly always wanted the truck i think oh, i will so i think great. i will get one at some point do i need one probably not but there's a lot of practicality to it get three dogs and then you have the excuse well i'm not gonna get three dogs so <laughs> i actually i actually thank you guys the other day for not allowing the dogs in because i would have died but i know i was like that i went up to um to Nicole's house for um, St. Was St. No, day before St. Patrick's Day. Pre-St. Patty's Day. Pre-St. Patty's Day. <laughs> but we we drank Guinness and oh, corned yeah. beef and cabbage. We and did. It was about as about as Irish you could get up in uh, up in the Forks. So I was pretty impressed. It was good. We had, we did, I yeah. had a good time. I was, I was glad I went up. Um, so no, I think the truck is something I I would like to get at some point. There's always a couple. I'm not a big car guy, but now yeah. that I've 
grown up a little bit like we have a we have two cars one's a volkswagen which Mm is way nicer than i have a honda volkswagen like no comparison no it drives so smooth and that's my wife's car so i don't get to drive that i mean i do but it's it's not my day-to-day car um but if like a truck would be sweet just because i'm the same way like we go in unplowed areas you know on the road i mean could be a couple hours a day depending on you know how many appointments or where they are. Um, so part of it is like, I haven't got to the point yet where I've really splurged on a vehicle. Cause I'm kind of yeah. like, I'm very, you know, I got other things that take precedence kind of, but like in the back of my mind, I think I'm about a year or two away. Like I really want to just see if I can get like a nice truck just because I don't, again, I don't need it, but practicality and just something I've always, we always had a truck when yeah. growing up. My dad always had one. So I've always, uh, nice. I probably will. I talk about it. I probably will at some point. I'll talk myself into getting one, but I just think it'd be cool. It's it's a very different experience, especially because you have rear-wheel drive, so you have to kind of... Well, it's an all-wheel drive. No, you will in a truck, though. Oh, oh, sorry. Keep, yes. Um, so it took me just a couple of days to refigure out how not to slide. Um, but yeah. it, um, I mean, it's nice. Like I live on the side of a little hill that's full of ice all the time Mm -hmm. and i never have to push my car out of it now yeah no i think it's i think it's quite like i said i saw you uh rolling into the chamber and i like i I, like looked at it i was thinking like one of the garbage (laughs) dude like uh there's a guy that does like the 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 commercial service like the cleaning and then there's a couple other people that like i was thinking it was one of those guys rolling and all of a sudden like i look up and it's like nicole because the wave goes going in, I'm like, oh, I forgot she got a truck. So it looked good. It's, it's uh, you, you sit very high. You're, you know, it's like, empowering. You're high off the ground. Yeah. It's I'm a lady driving a truck, and then I get to like walk into businesses, and I'm like, hey, from Casella, I'm your trash lady. And yeah. Like, your truck's nice too, so I think it's I think it's a cool. Uh, no, I think that's cool. Um, the other thing that people, I actually I don't th- I think I knew about it because you told me about it, but you have what you nobody would notice is you do have tattoos. I do. How what do you how many where are they? Because obviously I know you have multiple and I can only see half of one. So oh, my word. So um, you've, you've kept most of them covered like from a professional aspect. Yeah. So that was like my favorite trick when I was recruiting for ETS because I recruited for a lot of um, like mid-level management and professional roles mm-hmm. um, where it wouldn't be appropriate to show any tattoos or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I wear a suit almost every day to work. Like jeans were not a thing. Um and nobody ever saw them. I have a half sleeve. I've got some on my legs, my hips. Um, I don't know, my feet. Like back ribs, things like that. I I don't have any on my back. I've saved the back piece. We'll see if I ever get there. But Do you want to add to the, the collection? Um, I want to finish my half sleeve. Um, like all the way down the arm or just to the no, elbow? No. So I, like, I have the front side done, and mm-hmm. I have to finish like the little cap off and then the underneath of my arm. Because mm-hmm. it's actually one full piece that goes together, and I just haven't gotten it finished yet. But... All right, most of my tattoos, like, and I have tattoos in hard places. Like, I have my whole hip bones covered, and I have my sternum done, which are, like, two of the hard places to get really bad. And I sat for most of those sessions would be four hours apiece. Um, But when she did my arm, I was like, oh, it's my arm. It's going to be fine. It's no big deal. Sat for seven hours. Like I that was one a, right yes. there. Yes. Wow. And one, one sitting. sitting. Wow. One sitting. I was a sassy lady, and so she was like, "Oh, you want to go finish the inside?" I'm like, "Absolutely not." <laughs> I'm surprised she could uh, like stay awake that long. Did you, that's a lot. Yeah, it was you, a lot. You gotta think she's like she's. You'd hope she's focusing the whole time. Oh yeah, she was. She was excellent. Um, but that's partly why I, I literally just couldn't sit any longer. And yeah. 
I mean, I said, okay, I'm not great about it. Obviously, tattoos don't feel fantastic when someone's cutting you for seven hours. So, mm-hmm. you know, after a while, it doesn't feel super awesome. But, um, yeah, I want to get the inside finished. But I went all the way up to Montreal for it, so I got to go find the girl now. Do you, Would you add color to it? You like the dark, black and white? So I say black and white, but just Black ink? and gray. Um, yeah. This one I'll probably keep just black and gray. Mm-hmm. Um, all the other tattoos, oh, no, my feet are just black and gray, but they're just like outlines. Um, all the other ones are color, and I... After, like, getting all my first tattoos were all color, and I don't really like color now that I have it, which, again, just a series of dumb decisions. When did you get your first one? Uh, 17. Um, was that before or after New Zealand? That one was after New Zealand. Okay. So I got, yeah, I got my first one there, and I got a couple more in Potsdam. The ones oh, that you got your first in New Zealand? No, oh. I, I got my first right after I had gotten back. I wasn't old enough because I was 17. I was trying to get one in New Zealand and they wouldn't do it because I wasn't at home. You would need to be 18 to mm-hmm. do it. And I kind of lied to my tattoo artist when I got it at home. because I was like almost 18 and you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, so I got a bunch at home, like in a big spurt in my, when I first started college. And then I kind of petered it out a little bit and I got my feet done. I went to Alaska for... Do you have a lot on your feet or is it just like little... Just minor? little ones because I literally just like... I just got a little symbol on my foot just just to say I got a tattoo in Alaska. And then the guy's like, well, I have to charge you a minimum of 50 bucks. So, like, do you want anything else while I'm at it? Oh, so, <laughs> so you just add like, something else? I was like, yeah, just put a tree on my other foot while you're at it. <laughs> it was whatever. Yeah, souvenir. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so um, I did those. And then I really hadn't done anything since my arm, which I got done just a couple years ago. What for... I have, I have zero tattoos. So, yeah. what, for, like... How long does it take you to figure out what are you pretty spontaneous? Like I want that, or do you think mm. about it? What I was told I, I have heard, I don't know if this is a good way of going about it, but you're supposed to like if you have a tattoo, kinda of like get the design and like hang it up, like bathroom mirror or someplace where you're gonna see it every day for like a yeah. year and if you still want it, go with it. Yeah, but, I'm spontaneous. <laughs> so you're just more like that looks cool, I want that? Um my first oh my gosh, I can't remember what order I got my tattoos in. Remember my first one? So I actually got two together as my first ones on my hips. Like both hips were are two separate pieces, but they were done together. Um, and those were like meaningful, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know. I don't remember what my next one was. Maybe my sternum, maybe my leg. I can't remember. But then I got two more. And I got really big pieces at once. So they ended up being a significant portion. I was accustomed to seeing my body tattooed, which was probably the most odd experience. It wasn't what I got. It was that I was no longer going to see that part of my body again. Mm -hmm. Um, And once I got over that, the need to have meaningful crap stopped. Mm -hmm. Like it just, then I was like, oh, this looks cool. I'll go get it. Yeah. So you're more of, if I I like it, I'm just going to get it. It doesn't have to have like a a really background, but like, I mean, it it does have meaning because you you like the look, appearance of it, but... Well, I, so I heard somewhere that like the first one takes you a year or so to decide and then the next two to five might take you a month or two to decide. And then after that, nobody gives a hoot. Just give me a tattoo. Mm-hmm. Like I, when we were in Mexico a couple of weeks ago, I almost got a tattoo, but we ha- our boat was leaving and I was like dead set. I really wanted to get another tattoo because like how cool it'd be to be like, oh yeah, I've been tattooed in Alaska and Mexico and wherever other countries mm-hmm. I go. That'd be kind of cool. It's kind of like a, it's like a passport book. My friend, so my friend has his passport stamps of all the countries he's been to tattooed on his arm. That's pretty cool. I think that's cool. But he doesn't have them tattooed in those countries. That would be even cooler. But yeah. yeah. Um, 
was gonna say I'm always kind of like fascinated when people have tattoos because like you've met um, Ellie. She's got yeah. a bunch. Really? A ton. I didn't know a that. A ton. I've never. I mean, I think I've seen one. Yeah. But it's the same thing. It's all like. You wouldn't. You would never know that she had Britney. Same yes, thing. Yes, Britney bunch, has a bunch. Like of they're both hers. the same. They have a yeah. bunch of them, and I think they're cool. Like I think, like I've seen like Instagram. I'll like follow every once in a while. I'll follow people that do tattoos. Yeah, just like it's it's cool. Like a cool work of art and oh, stuff. Yeah. But I'm always in my head. I'm like, if I ever got one, which to be honest, the odds I get one are very <laughs> slim because I've just never really wanted one. But like, I would. I don't know what I'd want because it would like. Do, I like. I like that. Mm-hmm. Like I like the simplicity of stuff. Yeah. Um, I like it as, as extreme as like the big, like really big, like, elaborate, like colorful ones, which I think are just yep. like really beautiful. Yeah. But I even like as odd enough, like just the like small squiggle things that might be like, yeah. I've seen people with like on their arms, it's just like a random, like almost like a memo of different things. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. hey, it was here, there. So they might even have just like a random date on their arm yeah. or, you know, something or like a location. Like you've seen like the, uh, the, um, latitude longitude line yes or the, the i know what you're talking about yeah so a lot of those i think i, I would be more apt to get the, like the simple little just like designs yeah. versus like a big piece um but again i would really it would really have to like i don't know i, I say that again like you said it might take me like five years to get yeah, the first and then the rest of them would be whatever that looks cool throw it yeah. on but um so i haven't ever committed to that i think there's like some cool aspect to it but of course in my head i'm always I just think that I'm always going to just change and adapt and I don't, I won't want it, but I, I don't know. I, but I think it's, it's same thing with everything you do. You just, even though maybe 10 years from now you're a little different, you look back at it and it's just become a part of you. It's like a stepping stone in your, right. like in your journey as a human. Oh yeah. So I think it's kind of, I, I, I think it's cool. I've never, I've, I don't want to commit to anything cause I've never really had the urge <laughs> to get a tattoo, but I, I do find tattoos pretty cool on so far on other people. Like I like looking at them, but they're, I love them and they are definitely a part of your personality. It is, like I said, it is very odd when you do get big tattoos mm-hmm. to realize you're never going to see that part of your body the same way again. Yeah, that would probably be the freak. It, it was really freaky. It yeah. was. Like when I got my leg done, because I have like my upper thigh done um, or a big chunk of my thigh done, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm looking at this and it's totally yeah. So I don't know. It was odd. Um, the only thing that, like, I don't regret any of my tattoos. There's definitely some where I'm like, oh God, I was dumb. But, um, the only one I regret is I have one that I can't wear certain clothes without seeing, and I like that I can hide all of my tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you try to do that when you were picking out spots? Purposefully. Okay. Because I just, like, I didn't know where I was going to go in life professionally, mm-hmm. yeah, and I didn't want to be stuck, which is funny now, because, like, I go to my job, and, like, I remember the first day I put on a polo at Casella, and... I mean, commercial sales, like you've got a, you know, you've got different types of customers that you're going to see wildly different ranges, but there's a portion of that audience that's not expecting to see you in a tattoo Mm -hmm. or see a trash lady drive up in a truck. So you've got to like calm down the weirdness a little bit. And I had to wear a polo. It was a super hot day and I was so embarrassed to go to my job. And I was like, I was red in the face walking in and my boss Because nobody knew you had a tattoo. No, but... And it's not a bad tattoo. Like it actually is a cool design. Like the one that Yeah, it doesn't say like profanity or anything yeah, like that or naked yeah. girls or anything but um but i literally went into my boss and i was like i don't think i can wear this shirt and he was like what and i'm like i, I don't think i can go see customers today and he's like what do you mean and i'm like i'm sorry i have a tattoo and he laughed and he goes did you miss that people have them all the way down to their fingers on yeah. the way in <laughs> yeah that's just that's true yeah. oh, and i'm like oh okay and he's like i don't be proud and I'm like, my boss is so relaxed so and have, you, have you gotten over that 
Um, is it still like a stigma in your head that you got to have? Because I, I, I look at stuff now. Yeah. The amount of people that I see with tattoos and nose rings and, yeah. and piercings and like 10, 15 years ago, that was like very taboo. Like yeah. you didn't wear piercings. You didn't, yeah. um, you know, you don't have an eye tattoo or an right. eye tattoo. And I, um, piercing yeah. um you didn't have these things but then now i kind of look at it like it just seems common like i, I don't i don't to me i'm yeah. one that like the style of dress i think even in the future like the style of dress is going to change like when i started that's my, true my career like of course i was i was young so i was like sure i wore a tie yeah like super pressed stupid <laughs> like I, I didn't know what i was doing so yeah. like now i've gotten to the point where like i wore well i'm still like semi-dressed like I wore this today, like, yeah. but I wasn't meeting anybody. Like in the winter, I wore a jacket. Yeah. So I think we've talked about this before. Like, I could pretty much wear anything underneath because the only time I'm ever going to really see clients, like, did I have a couple people walk in today that I talked to? Yes, but I'm not like I'm not dressed like ratty. It's just I'm not wearing like a collared shirt or anything like right. that. So summers I like would wear a polo. You know, I usually wear like a button down shirt once jacket season's kind of over. Yeah. But um, I don't. I've found that I've more lax. I start to wear more jeans now. I wear. I even wear like in the winter. I've been wearing these. I, I love them. They're my, my uh, they're like a sneaker, but they're they're kind of like a warmer sneaker instead of wearing yeah. dress shoes because I either wear boots and they're great, or I wear dress shoes and I slip all over the place. So like oh, these are kind of like so that's my my only problem. Like I'll I'll wear dress shoes. Like I have you know I'll wear I look semi decent most of the year, but there's mm-hmm. times where I'm like or days where I'm more in like the office and I might meet a few people. Like I don't yeah. really I'm dressed a little less formal but i think that's going to become more common as i mean it already has i mean obviously 10 15 years from now it's gonna we're gonna look at like oh my god i can't like you're probably gonna say i can't believe i wore this outfit and maybe i don't know but i I I think there's gonna be an evolution in style because people i don't think care as much i think i'm one like as long as you can do your job or are good at what you do i don't care really what you look like well and i don't disagree with that by any means either i think there's i think it's hard though because there's a level of if you are customer facing in any way, shape, or form, whatever job you do, if there's not a level of professionalism, now I don't care if you're in jeans, but if your jeans have holes in them and look like you have creases behind your knees, like you've worn them 17 times, like mm-hmm. there's it, that affects my first impression of someone. So mm-hmm. I think yeah. there is, you know, a way that maybe you take care of the clothes that you wear, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's hard. I think for me, being I've always been in a in a sales type position and especially like when I first started I was always in suits like almost every single day I'm in a suit and you put on a suit and it's like "Mm, you look good you feel good there's that boost of confidence like you're just gonna go out and kill it today but like when I put on a pair of jeans and throw on my Mm -hmm. winter jacket and my chick kickers for work because I'm gonna stand out in 40 below weather outside Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily feel the same boost of confidence proud of what I have what I do for work but like it doesn't give me the oomph that a pair of heels does so no I I agree there's I feel better when I'm dressed up suit jacket to my button down shirt like I I feel I don't need a tie but like I do I feel more professional and authoritative yeah Yeah, do I do I look more authoritative if I'm like in a group of at a group setting and people yeah. see me dress that way versus maybe how I am now where I'm kind of more yeah. like relaxed. Uh, certainly I'm the same as you. Do I put this on in the morning and feel more kind of like a laid back day? A hundred percent versus yeah. like days that I'm like probably dressing up cause I have a few it's meetings true. to meet with people. Um, I, every morning I get dressed. I don't just randomly grab clothes like in a sense of like I 
know my schedule and I dress according to my schedule. Yes, I do the same. Okay, I so I, I think like, I think that's still part of it. Like still in my head, I have yeah. like, okay, am I going, am I meeting new clients today? Am I going to a listing appointment? Am yeah. I going to an after hours? Am I going to a presentation? I will change how I dress. Like today, I met with a couple clients, but... I had my jacket on it showing like I had right. my jeans look they're nicer drink jeans yes. and like these baggy ratty like the jeans that were on the weekends like so there's just, I do and I'm assuming like you said you're the same way because oh, obviously yeah. like you like you're, you're very <sighs> like you're usually very well dressed when I see you I mean obviously you can have you know some days where you kind of dress down but when you dress up you look very professional more so like you wear suits and things like that. Like mm-hmm. to be honest, I don't even own a suit. I always do like suit jacket with like I mix. Them. I gotta get. I gotta. I do have to buy some suits, but I've never been a, a big like. I've gotten better. My style has yeah. gotten a little better as I've gotten older. I got. <laughs> I got some friends that are a little more. Um, I got one of my my buddies who's actually a pretty good dress guy that will um, give me give me pointers on fashion. Oh yeah. So, but uh, yeah. So I gotta get better at it. But what, what's, like, I don't know. Do you like dressing up? I do. I, so I, I guess I'm always tied, especially like with my job now, because, oh my gosh, I try to, I try to pick similar types of businesses that I'll go see in an area mm-hmm. if it's dense enough to, mm-hmm. um, just to save on some of the miles and make more time out of my day because it's so hard. Like if I just picked what was close in proximity, I could go from a hospital to a hotel, to a car dealership, to the farm. Like you can't go from muck boots oh and and a industrial facility where i need steel toes and a hard hat like the amount of outfits i have to put on in a day and i like dressing up but it doesn't feel good to stand in front of a customer and have them feel awkward for how you are dressed Mm -hmm. like either overdressed or underdressed oh yeah absolutely either way so i usually try to pair it to who i'm seeing that day or have a couple like like today, like I had uh, a blazer on and I'm obviously in a t-shirt and jeans mm-hmm. here, but I just had a blazer on um, and because I was going into a couple of nicer businesses and a nice pair of boots on. Um, but then for the rest of the day, I was in my just zip up jacket for work. So do you, like if you were if in your car, how many, how many shoes do you have in your car? You have a hard hat in your car. I, know I that. do have a hard hat. Okay. So I know you had that. <laughs> now you have, how many shoes do you have or for, forms of footwear? And then how many outfits do you bring in a day? Because obviously you talked about you have a blazer, now you're down, and you zip up, now you're on kind of like you. a semi, like, I call it kind of like a dress t-shirt. You know, like, <laughs> it's not logoed out and all like, That's you true. know, it's okay, like, yeah, you, yeah. You, could get, you could get by with that shirt. So, um, like, what do you have for shoes and what do you have for outfits on a daily basis? For, like, in a week, do you oh. bring multiple outfits in a day with you and just change kind of on, like, in the car or on the road? I usually try to have a few things. Like I always try to have my steel toes and my hard hat and my um, high vis vest. But um, just because like you can end up on a construction site a lot or in a manufacturing site where if you walk in with steel toed boots to a manufacturing site and the person doesn't have to get you those clappers where yep. you walk through the facility and sound like yep. you're galloping. I've done that before. Yep. Makes a world of a difference <laughs> to that conversation with that person. Yeah. Whether you're your current customer or not, it's just, yeah, win some points. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to keep all of that at all times. And then depending on the day, I'll usually have a pair of dress shoes and a pair of my winter boots, which I wear bogs in the winter, which look like farm boots, but honestly, they keep me warm, warm and waterproof. Um, and clothes wise, it's hard and been really hard in the winter because like you said, you wear a jacket. I might bring two jackets, like a dress jacket and my regular winter jacket when I'm outside. Um, but I usually try to do an outfit like I did today where like I can swap out different jackets or like 
have a quarter zip over a button up so I can rip off the quarter zip if I need to be in the button up and put the quarter zip back on. Or Yeah, there's a lot of changing in the truck that happens. I, I find that um, from a professional setting, like women are way, there's more, I think because there's more expected in female yeah. fashion, but then it's I true. also think there's more styles to female fashion. Mm-hmm. I also think I get away like, I probably have four or five sets of shoes yeah. that I could probably change into on a given, like not now. Yeah. I, the only thing I carry is I, I have a pair of winter boots that like go yeah. down like 40 degrees. So like one of those that I wore yesterday just because of the high snow because we do go to some vacant homes, yeah. things like that. But usually I have my shoes set for the day and I usually will wear them depending on if I have a lot of showings. I wear shoes without laces so I can slip in and out. Oh, you know, So that's, that's a big a thing. Idea. So I don't have to keep untying and yeah. tying. Um, if I know that I... I even know the house I'm going into. It's a vacant home. I've been there before. I don't really need to take my shoes off. I'll wear mm. laces because I know maybe I'm going to um, some kind of event in the evening that those are nicer yeah. shoes or more kind of like biz casual. Um, but in the same token, like I – where was I going with that? We talked about this. It was the <laughs> shoes, but what was the other thing that I was saying with uh, – oh, yeah, dress code. So like me, I have the shoes and then I wear a variation of either like – dressier jeans or khakis or mm-hmm. dress pants and yep. then a like, button-down shirt or a sweater yep. or something so like the style doesn't really change much for a guy like yeah. we can kind of get away where like you i, I find Ugh. girls like even just like dressing up you're talking like you're talking like um you know khakis or a blouse or or skirts or dresses or business suits or oh, yeah. dress jeans there seems to be more like a guy doesn't have a skirt and a dress into something else like a girl like you would have khakis and you jeans you don't have skirts I don't I got rid of them but like the, the khakis and the jeans but like you guys have like khakis jeans and then you have other styles not be- to mention the colored pants too and the colored pants because I'm are they capri or are they full length let's see see you my, my thing they're, all, they're always full length and they're very neutral they're very they're very earthy tones um, <laughs> but uh, I do actually have a couple like brighter uh, shorts but not like nothing crazy but the uh, yeah so I'm always like I always find that it's harder for females to pull off looks because there's more yeah. expected of them. And, and like you said, especially if you're kind of like a chameleon throughout your oh, day, goodness, yeah. which I think you are because you deal, <laughs> be. kind of deal with the public. But I think there's a lot to be said about how you present yourself in right. certain clientele. Yes. Because I do the same thing if I'm going, depending on where I kind of know, I don't know. It's just kind of like a internal thing in my head. I'm like, okay, dress this way, dress that way. If I know right. the people or don't know the people, um, you know, if I, it's something where I've met them, this is like the fifth or sixth time I've met them, I can probably get away with like kind of knowing their personality and how they dress. I can, I can kind of mirror that. Um, a question I wanted to ask you, which yeah. I think would be, I think would be good. I, I think this Uh-oh. would be a good one for you. Um, we'll drink, take, take a sip. Nicole was <laughs> nice enough today to uh, bring us some. I asked if you wanted wine because I knew you like wine, but. I do, but, but I have a very long drive home. So wine's yeah, a dangerous idea. Nope, and that, that's fine. So <laughs> she went with the, uh, the tall boys oh um which classy. was which was fine i that's again this is nicole she's got she's classy but then she's also gonna bring the tall boys so we, that's what we love but um what, what i want to ask you because i know kind of your whole at least business career that i've known you've talked about sales you've talked about very much professional setting yeah but i've also known that you're very um you're a very driven person from what so. I've heard, meaning okay. you're not, you're not like you're, you're a go getter. You're not <laughs> oh, like absolutely. you're not like somebody that like I, I look at and I'm like yeah, she just is kind of boring and she doesn't like really work hard and she just kind of like flows through life. Yeah. Like you always seem every time I talk to you, like I can see that you have like a passion for what you do and you yes. like you want to. I think like 
I'm very much the same way. Like I get bored when I'm I'm static. When I'm <sighs> like like if I know yes. like if I'm at this level in my career, like if I stay at that level for like even a month, I like go crazy because yep. I just feel like I'm I'm settling. So I'm always now with that obviously comes with its own challenges and, and um, by getting busier and, and excelling more. Yeah. But you're adapting, so I know that I'm better today than I was even yesterday or a year or oh, five yeah. years ago. So my thing for you, like I I kind of know this by myself, but what's your big like? What motivates you? Like what's your big motivation? Ooh. Is it? Um, I mean, and, and some people could no, say, it's hey, it's money. Something people could say it's title. Some people could say it's the amount of volume we do sale wise. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes it'd be totally different. I mean, do you have like, have you ever really sat down? I. I I know you have. I mean, I, yeah. I'm kind of doing this more for the people listening, but like, like, what's your motivation in your? I guess career it doesn't even have to be Casella, yeah. but like your career as a professional. Um, I guess it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't even have to be work career. Maybe it's just you as a person. But mm-hmm. that, and then kind of what are your? I guess plans from. I mean, we've talked about the whiteboard and stuff, but yeah. I know you obviously have goals. I know you're like I said, you're a driven person. So kind of what motivates you? How do you go about it? What what's your how do you practice and, and execute what you want to accomplish? Ooh, I don't know uh, if you ever thought about it. I know you have, but like... No, I have. Yeah. Um, I think like the overarching theme and anything from work to anything outside of directly Casella work, um, I really like helping people and particularly helping people in our local community. So anything that revolves around that. So like my day-to-day, I'm just working with a ton of businesses in the area and... Yeah, it's just trash, but they've got to get rid of it. It's got to go somewhere. And if there's anything that I can do to alleviate their stress or whatever, it's just finding a way to help somebody um, is satisfying. And so I do do a lot of volunteering in the local community. Um, like I even get it. I, I bought my first rental um, and just even looking for tenants. And like I just got a new tenant in and um, he works for a local business in um, like the Jay Wilmington area. And just hearing how like that home is so significant to him and then hearing from my neighbors how excited they are to have someone stable and, um, you know, just seeing how you can help people in any kind of business is exciting in general. So I usually tend to do things that would be community centric or have an impact on somebody. Um, But as far as goal setting, I am like wildly goal driven. Um, So usually my brain, I work best on achievable goals. So like the same way my, my job is structured, same way my personal life is structured, I will have a list of goals. Um, and, you know, I might have to do 10 of X this week or whatever to achieve it, but I know I'm going to try to hit 12. Um, so, and just incrementally step my way. And I usually try to have like a, you know, what's this week? What's this year? What's the next five-year vision? I'm still working on the five-year vision of kind of life in general. Um, but... I've always just been very motivated by being able to achieve the goal. Certainly money is a huge factor of it, having been a commissioned person for a long time. Um, But usually that's just a tool to continue taking steps forward. Like what can that money do to help build the next step in my career? Like um, working on right now, being able to see the future of the next rental that I could buy, you know, is it, how far away is it? What do I need to achieve in, you know, X, Y, Z to be able to afford that? Um, So trying to break those steps down <laughs> but it is um yeah i think just in general trying to work with people and it keeps me going do you like I, i'm kind of the same way um i'm a little different i i think my number one my motivation 
for me is always trying to get better. I, I have mm-hmm. a fear of, um, I f- have a fear of like lack of potential, if that makes sense. Really? Like okay. if, if it's one where, meaning like if I don't think that I'm like squeezing every ounce of my potential out of myself, meaning mm-hmm. I'm not the, mo- I'm not the most gifted. I'm, I mean, people have listened to this podcast. I'm not the best interviewer. I stumble. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm terrible with words. But, but, at fine, the, but, at, but at the same at the same time, like I'm I'm trying to always improve. So like, like I have a kind of a thing I, I have on my desk, and it's um, basically a lot of it, like kind of like what motivates you. And I, yeah. I think a lot of it is there's a there's a potential, especially because I'm a commission based. There's always the poten- yeah. there's always the fear of. Um, lack of financial stability yes and that that's i don't think i'll ever get by that because i'm one day away from not being in a position like especially i mean right now i hope not to be in the future but like if i get sick or injured or catastrophic like i'm not i'm not sitting there like like i i got years to go before i'm in a position where i really feel like stable um which there's a motivation there but my motivation my bigger motivation is the like i said lack of potential where if i just find that i'm just there's days, and I, I have them, there's days where I'm like, why did you do this or why did you do that today or why are you wasting your time doing this, that, mm-hmm. or the other thing because I know it's not allowing myself to hit the potential that I could. Yeah. The other the other factor which you said is I know I'm really good at what I do. Like yeah. I have the belief, maybe I'm not, but I have the belief <laughs> I have the belief that I am and, and obviously my track record so far is, yeah. you know, is validated it, but like I had the belief that I'm very good at what I do and I believe that I can – I have a skill set that other people don't have that other people do need. Meaning mm. people, everybody lives in a home. Yeah. Whether or not you're, you might not buy a home, but you're always, most people, I would say if you poll them, majority would want to own their home at some point or yeah. they're moving down. Like you said, trash isn't going anywhere. Yeah. And I think you true. joke about it. Like uh-huh. you're always going to be in business because until they find a way to just make trash d- d- dissolve in thin air, you're going to be in business. And but I look at that and I think you're the same as that. You know you have a skill set. You know you're good at what you do. And I, I, like, I mean, it's just one where if you have the confidence and then you know that, like I look at it every day that I think, I literally think everybody that's looking to buy or sell a home should contact me because I think I'm, I, I believe in my head that I'm the best at there is. And, that, and yeah. I, like, is that right? Is that a little foolish to think? Possibly, but I think it's gotten me to this position and I'm not, you know, I mean, based on what I've accomplished, I don't think I'm far off, but I really think I have the belief that, you know, I can help everybody out there and I know the best route to help somebody. And I think that, like for you, if you think that from, like I said, from a helping perspective, because I don't, to be honest, I, it's probably bad. I'm, I, I, I semi no budgeting. Like I do, I, I do a little bit, but like, I don't know how much I'm going to make this year. I really don't. Like I, yeah. I might have a general idea. Like I'll probably make X, Y, like I mean, like a range, but yeah. I, I, I don't even know what I make on a commission check. Like I, I do, like if I really broke down the numbers, but like my, my, my actual income, like I have my, my board up there that I, yeah. I actually have every, I have all the, I go by how many homes I sell. I track the volume I sell just for the fact that kind of gives me a little, perspective on but like i really look at how many people i can help which is like and the thing is every year my goal bumps up quite a bit but it's obtainable yes but it's a it's like a oh shit i gotta try to accomplish it every year and (laughs) and the funny thing is my uh two years ago i i beat my goal by 10 percent which was good and which is quite a bit and then my next year i was like i'm gonna i beat that goal by i shouldn't say 10 percent 10 percent but it was like 
whatever it was like it was wasn't a i did my goal plus i did another 50 percent of that goal Ooh. is that 150 percent i think oh. it would be because it's not double it was almost it was like one and a half times what i did the year prior i think so i think so or whatever it was good it was a good jump but then i ended up wanting to do the same thing and i my goal, I doubled, I actually, what I wanted to do, I doubled it last Get year. Out. So then if you go back two years ago, then yeah. I kind of look at it, I'm like, oh my God, I like over doubled what I had then, which I just thought back then was big. So like, so what do I do this year? I do the same thing. I right. want so like, I'm hoping I, I accomplish it, but like, I'm telling you, like come November, December, when I make that goal, like I'm yeah. scared shitless because I don't think I'm going to hit it. But then mm. I, I, but then in the back of my head, like you said, it's obtainable because I break it down to every day yeah. and every action and everything that I do. I try to work towards it knowing that, yeah, that's, I'm not going to accomplish that just by like doing this. Like I got to really break it down. Um, so when you goal plan and goal set, is that something that you focus on? Like you I break do. it down. I mean, do you break it down by, you're probably like me, like, Hey, that I got to make this phone call or I got to, you know, or I got to yes. meet this client or I got to do this, or it could even be like, I mean, you're in the, you're, I'm sure you've been, you've been in sales, you've been rejected. Like, so like, I kind of look at that, like I get rejected every day and I, I I have like, my skin's pretty thick. Like it takes a lot to really get under my skin. Um, but have you had that factor too, where it's like something gets thrown in your face and like, good, like I'm just, I'm going to help somebody else or I'm going to do something different. I don't, does that, you know, it's interesting. So many layers of that to unpack, but, um, one of the things I firmly believe in from, uh, from any kind of whether it's sales or management or anything of that nature i think your goals particularly those who have financial goals need to be achieved from a behavior-based standpoint so your goals should be behavior-based because if you're if i'm going in to meet with a customer and i'm like oh shit man i gotta make 10 bucks off this guy like then i'm not making the decision from uh i that's not my value standpoint i'm not gonna try to squeeze some money about out of a guy if he needs the service and it's the right service at the right price for him and us, then we'll have business. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't make the 10 bucks, well, then I got to go find somebody else to meet the, you know, meet the difference or whatever. But so I try to do behavior-based things, um, which is interesting because when I originally started in sales, we actually had the behaviors already planned out for us. So here's your financial goals. The company believes these uh, behavior-based goals will equal those financial goals. On my job now, we don't have that. And we actually, um, we're going through some training with a company that I've done uh, training with before, some sales type training that is helping us try to craft those behavior-based goals. Um, So I try to do a lot of things. I try to do them on a weekly basis because it's so, a month is too far out, but a week, I can't do a day by day. Like my day is not the same every day. So I try to bring it down to the the weekly basis and try to keep something consistent and achievable because you can always grow it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm trying to work on some of those behavior-based goals that I know lead into the financial goals um and then reassess like check check the finances as did i make the right decisions on what behavior-based goals that i had did i achieve my financial goal if i didn't you know was it did i shoot high did i shoot low you know and adjust from there um but on so many levels like you were saying from you know if you get if you get rejected and you're like oh great i'll just go work with somebody else Mm -hmm. one of the things that i've been really focusing on in my work now is been really difficult because I've I come from a standpoint of wanting to help people and I'm realizing like you you can't help everyone mm-hmm. you know, not everybody wants to be helped you might not be the right solution for everybody you know there's so many different layers in between and I've really I do firmly believed in in the model of every year you should get rid of your bottom 10% so you can grow that much mm-hmm. farther um, on your top end 
um, whether that's growing your current customers or whatever, but um, I've had to start looking seriously at accounts that are bleeding us from an administrative time standpoint. So like, you know, if you have a customer that's making you enough margin to have two pennies to rub together at the end of the day, do you really still have two pennies if you're spending, you know, five hours a month in collections calls? Well, mm-hmm. probably not. If you mm-hmm. only had two pennies that month, that doesn't cover the admin cost. So mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to, to step away and separate yourself from a customer, but you got to realize when it's not the right fit for both at the same time. So I kind of had to do the dreary I, side. <laughs> I, I've, uh, that, that's something that I, I, I knew this day was coming for me, meaning yeah. like this is my ninth year. I've talked about this before awesome. on the show. My first year, I sold three homes, and I would go in and I would have one to three calls a day. Mm-hmm. That was that was my business. I didn't really know what I was doing. Yeah, I wasn't very proactive at going <laughs> in and uh, you know generating business. So um, I knew there would become a day where I just don't have time. Yeah. I'm hitting that point now where I just don't have time. I have five. I would say on average, I meet with three to six different people a day in right. different capacities. Um, every day, I look at my my calendar. This you're probably the fifth or sixth person today. Same thing tomorrow. Yeah. Then I look at my then I look at it and I go, when do I have time in that that time frame to make my outbound prospecting calls, which I try to do every day. Oh, well, I'll tell you yes. right now. Today is Tuesday. Tomorrow's going on Wednesday. I didn't even I touched five of probably 70 people that I had to contact Monday. Guess what happened today? I have add on Tuesday, add on a couple. Now I got some stuff done, but like right. I'm rolling in tomorrow with I, my database tomorrow. I have to contact about a hundred people oh, and guess what? I got six appointments. So like this is, this is literally my life. Every day starts Monday and I really try to make my Monday as packed as possible from yeah. a call standpoint. And Unfortunately, this Monday, I wasn't able to do that. Like, yeah. I just had stuff that, like, I couldn't push people. Like, I'm not going to push a client off that wants to see something because oh, I got to yeah. sit here and make calls and do stuff. The whole purpose is to get them to that position. But, you know, like, I'll, I'll go, you know, I'll get to the final week and I'm getting to the point now where I'm going through a week and it's like, I didn't get even, I didn't accomplish 30 or 40% of what I needed to accomplish. Well, that's what it gets rolled into the next week. And then, yeah. so I think what you said, it's like, should I, but I'm, I'm always, I think part of this is just me as a, it's been my mindset for nine years is not to say no. I'm a big uh, yes person. Like I want to yeah, help people. It's tough though. So I get someone like I'm getting to the point now that I'm kind of starting to grow a team here that we can, I can start to, to hand off stuff more, which frees me up. Yeah. Cause I've had, I've always had this in my head. Do I, do I not deal with a client that's looking at a lower price property or mm-hmm. looking at something that I don't make a big, I had I, someone yesterday went and looked at a place, you know, about a half hour away. Mm-hmm really not a high-end property was probably going to make not a lot of money on it right um i went and showed it i part of the reason is i've been dealing with her for five years and i have a loyalty where could i have sent that and just handed her off to somebody i could but there's gonna be a point where i know i won't be able to do that but i try my i try like hell to try to and I think part of it is just I'm very loyal to my like people mm-hmm. that I've worked with. They've bought a home before. They want to see something. Um, you know, I got a, I got a buddy out in um, Malone. I don't go out to Malone that often just because of the time. I yeah. just I mean, if it's worth my trip, sure, I, I'll sure as hell go out there. But to me, like to go out and just see a house randomly, I don't do it. Now this guy calls me maybe once a year, every two years because he really wants to see something. I know right. he financially can do it. I know like, and he's a great dude. I love talking mm-hmm. to him. 
So I'll make the trip out there to go see them. But like, is it worth my time? Is it the best allocation of my time? Probably not. But it's a factor of he also bought a home for me in my second year in business. So mm, I have like a loyal, awesome. like I think at the time that he bought a home, that might have been my biggest sale to date at the time. And, That's uh, cool. Yeah, but it's like you got like the factor of like I, I, I know at some point I can't do that. At some point I'm really going to have to, even a lot of the people that I'm working with now, I'm probably going to have to hand off to newer right. agents coming in, which is great. That That's what I ultimately want for the company, but I, it's kind of like I have a hard time. It's almost like... <laughs> giving away your baby. Yeah, it's like giving away. <laughs> and, and I mean, I, I'm also one, all prospect and state. I mean, anybody that knows me, the amount of people that have said, Honestly, we're going with you because you've been talking to us for three, four years yeah. when we told you we're three, four years away. I, I'm, you know, I'm very big on like, I will literally stay yes. with you until you tell me, hey, kid, beat it or <laughs> we don't like working with you. But I mean, it, it, it's gotten to me where I am now, but it's the time. The time is so finite right now that I just, I, you know, with a, with a, a child, with a family, one on oh, the way, yeah. it's like, you know, I would work here. Till, I love what I do. I yeah. would work here till 10 at night, every night. But mm -hmm. You know, I want to go home and, you know, see the kid. Weekends, I try to spend with family. Yeah. I would work all weekend because I, again, I loved yeah. this stuff up here, trying to find time in the day to, to do that stuff. Yeah. And it's it's not there. You know, it's tough. So I've heard a couple different theories and I'm... I was going to say, I'm any hacks you can it. give me. Uh, I, I wish I had something, but um, I'm trying the small, like, I guess, especially in going through the sales training that I'm going through now... I think the goals that I had set for myself because I'm I'm such an overachiever, it was like all right. So I did. Oh god. All right. So I did the math of. <laughs> I'm a numbers person. So. I'm the same. We're, we're very similar. <laughs> so I'm just kind of like just talk. I, I like the stuff I say. I'm basically I know Nicole's gonna say yeah. So. <laughs> so my boss said, "All right, you have." Uh, what did I, when we restructured everything, I think I had like 15, just maybe just shy of 1500 commercial customers under my belt. And that I currently have, that's not any of my growth goals or anything else that happens in between of the regular customers that I have, you know, structuring, okay, this section and this section are customers that we want you to have face-to-face -face visits with. And we want you to have of this section, we want you to have this many visits and this many visits for this section based, just based on the complexity of the, the types of services we have there. So then in my head, I backed out how many hours a week I have available if I were to work an eight-hour day because that still gives me time for my admin because I'm usually like a 10-hour day plus. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But in an eight-hour driving day when the businesses are open, um, minus drive time, which actually I didn't, I only like, I gave like half a shake to drive time. Like, oh, I'll only be like an hour on the road every day. Yeah, it didn't work. But um, minus you know, sick time, whatever, you know, the time that you take off from work. Um, and then I think I ended up, so I ended up giving myself like pretty much just shy of a couple weeks of the year that I wasn't going to be working or that I'd be in sales training or that I'd be offsite from a company standpoint. Um, and then I, I shook it down to agreeing that I could be in front of a customer for six hours a day. Um, four and a half days a week out of so many weeks out of the year. And he literally did the math. Okay, so if my A customers, I think it's going to take an hour with, and I need to visit them four times, how many how many customers, how many A customers do I need to visit a mm -hmm. month, a week? And the same thing for my B customers, which are like the two focuses that I have. And I literally shook it out. I'm like, okay, so I need to see 20 customers. I need to see 20 customers a week. And that having the math behind it made mm -hmm. sense, but I never thought that the original goal might not have. 
because realistically, while I said, oh, my eight customers may take one hour, most of them take 20 to 40 <laughs> hours yeah. in total yeah. when you've got the follow-up and the everything. I mean, mm-hmm. like I joke that like I had to find a home for 50, what ended up being 58 tons of bubble bath, but like, have you ever tried to find a home for 58 tons of bubble bath when you can't dispose of liquid waste in New York State in a landfill? Not so easy. Oh, and it's on a budget. Like, impossible. Um, and then you actually have to do it and make sure the trucks end up there on time. And yeah. oh my gosh. So anyway, um, and that's a lot of my A customers have wild and crazy things like that. Oh, I, uh, I pulled, we pulled out uh, lithium batteries out of 20, what was it? 10, 10 pallets of e-cigarettes. We pulled um, the lithium batteries out of and shredded the plastic, the remainder part of the plastic. And we're actually able to recycle 10 pallets of e-cigarettes. Can can you throw batteries out in the trash? No. How are those supposed to be disposed? Uh, call the landfill, because you can't. They have extra. The, so, the landfill obviously has the landfill for trash services, but they have a lot of extra services. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the one on Sand Road. Yep, yep, in Morrisonville, mm-hmm. um, Essex County. Good luck. I still don't know the answer, and I live in Essex County, and I should know the answer, but I have no idea what you do with any of your stuff if you live in Essex County. <laughs> um, but I would call the landfill because usually like you should stockpile them and they can help you find a home. Um, there are companies I work with. Um, actually, it's a, a guy who does shredding services over in Vermont. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does a lot of odd jobs on the side. And so he'll help me get rid of batteries. Like when I have commercial customers who have like a milk crate full of batteries or something like that. But no, you're not supposed to put them in the landfill. What, hap- what happens if they go in the trash? I mean, it goes, it goes in the landfill and then yeah. it'll be like polluting or whatever. Exactly. Yep. Okay. It's really, really bad for the environment if you do put them in there. Um, certain batteries are, um, I don't know if the, I think Dylan, our ops manager, I think he said they were like an explosion hazard. It's a fire explosion hazard, which sounds funny, but we've literally had someone like at a, mm, not from batteries, thankfully, but um, we had someone at a campsite put embers in a trash and it was hot enough to still be able to start a fire but it didn't um it didn't like start a fire in the can that they put it in and that can ended up in our truck Mm -hmm. and the load caught on fire (laughs) and like if you can imagine before when they were in before they ended up going in the low the the new cell in the landfill when you were up on the top of the mountain you imagine you open a truck that didn't have much oxygen and it's on fire you start dumping it out in high winds imagine what's going to (laughs) happen you know so have you been up the top there yes I did. It smells like death. Okay, it's so not that bad. It smells like death. And there's there, when I went up, there was about <laughs> 2,000 seagulls. Yes. You know, someone's sole job, and I'm super jealous of this girl. She sits up there with a 22 and shoots down the seagulls. Really? Yep. Okay, I think she actually does other things in her spare time. But, like, totally seen her up there shooting the 22 at the seagulls. And I'm like, dude. That's a gig. There's a lot of seagulls up there. There's a lot of seagulls. I, we had it. We were basically cleaning out our old house. We had like a borrowed uh, mini dumpster. Mm-hmm. We went all the way up there and dumped it. I thought it smelled bad. This was like September. So we're gonna do frame of reference here. Okay. Of all the jobs in Casella, there are some jobs that are better than others. Is that part of Casella? The landfill? Um, so Casella manages the landfill. It's totally separate from us. Mm-hmm. Like they explain it as like our company's in different silos. And so it's a different silo than the hauler. We're technically I work for the hauling division. So mm-hmm. we're the, we move the trash and we're the trucks okay. um, and the containers. But <clears throat> the landfill is partly managed by Casella and then um, Clinton County and Schuyler Falls. Okay. 
Um, but yes, so of all the jobs in the hauling side of Casella, um, not many of them regularly are climbing in the trash all day. The first thing I need to do at every single customer that I go see is actually go look inside. So if we can equate smell from a seafood restaurant out in a hot blacktop parking lot on an August afternoon to the landfill, that would be, which seafoods, we're going we're gonna to put it at about a nine and a half because I believe there's probably worse that I haven't smelled yet. The landfill's about a 1.2. Is that bad? <laughs> I mean, when you open the can and you see maggots, like, mm-mm. Maggots do smell, but I, man, I don't. No, mm, I'm telling you. L- landfill was nasty. No. I want to put it at a one on a scale of one to Oh, I don't know. All right, so funny story. I ride with the drivers like once a month or so to at least get to know them better and get to know my accounts better and mm-hmm. whatnot. And on one of the very first rides I went on, they took me to a seafood restaurant on an August afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> on There's a very hot point. day. There's your reference point. Yeah. And the driver doesn't say anything to me. And he's he's been doing this for like 15, 20 years. And he just sits there. And like, they're all waiting. Like, here's this young sales girl. Watch her run. And I've been up since like 4 o'clock in the morning. Like, we start, they start work at 4 o'clock in the morning, which mm-hmm. means I probably had to be up at 2. Um, so I'm sitting wow. there and I'm tired. And I'm trying to like, you know, act excited. It's 2 o'clock. Where's my coffee? Can't have taken a bathroom break or lunch break. What am I doing? And he just lifts up the can, dumps the can smiles and then all the goo comes running down on you no on the side oh, of the truck Jesus. and i'm like <gasps> and he just sat there and he looks over and he looks back and the wind blows and i was like <gasps> i'll be fine it's not bad terry it's not bad not bad you don't have a bad job love this was, it this was your first yeah and stop? of course like he's wanting me to like start crying fetal position like scream something profane and i'm like just Yep, <clears throat> doing good. <laughs> so, so uh, I, I asked that because Nicole is making like the reference, like it's like raining down on her, and I'm uh, like, what? No, on the truck, but there's windows everywhere. <laughs> oh God. The goo's close, okay? The goo doesn't smell good when it's close. When I went, when I went up and dumped the trash up there, I looked down. I had this like goo on my pants and my boots, and I didn't know what yes. it was. And I don't know if a bird shit on me or I don't know what it was, but it was like tarry and gooey. And I like I tried to like scrape it off on something. And it, it took me like a couple weeks before the stuff on my boots actually scraped yeah. off. And it literally looked like gum, but it wasn't gum. Huh. It was like a white gooey substance that right. was, it stuck. Really? Was you must top. have stepped in something the, then. I stepped on something, but it was on my pants, too. Ew. So I don't know what it was. And it was, we're at the top of the ma- the, the, the man-made <laughs> trash mountain. Um, first time I ever went there. But there, there is a, it's an experience. I mean, I'm glad I went up there, but I don't, you know, I mean, that's me. Yeah. I just. They're not there. They're not up on the mountain anymore. What do you mean? So they stopped building on that cell. Well, when when I, this was, uh, this would have been last September. So when yeah. I went up, they had a whole other hole that was yeah, getting out of the plastic. So they're probably dumping into that. Yeah. It's, um, it's the new cell that they started. Okay. So I was on the, the original or one of the, I don't know, the, the, the last. <laughs> that as Meg one. would tell the, us, the, the OG. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so it's been, re- the new, it's retired now. That's, yes, that, it is. That cell. So that was, uh, where it went up, but mm. it was, a, it's kind of funny cause I didn't know this. Um, my reference points, like. The part of the, the county that I didn't really know very well was like Morrisonville out to Peru, Peasleyville. Like I really? Like I wouldn't really have to go out there unless I'm like doing show. Like this was like probably a few years back. Okay. So when I first um, 
Gina was from Morrisonville, so when I first met her, I would like pull up and like on Banker, you could like look out and it looked, it was like a weird part of the year where I'm like, why is that hill uh, white? And I didn't realize like it was the trap, it was the, the, the top of the landfill. Yeah. And I'm like looking up there and like, it literally looked like a snow top mountain yeah. in like the middle of the summer. And I'm like, what is that? And I don't know why I never put two and two together. And then I realized I'm like, oh, okay. Like what didn't take long for me to, to realize it, but I never recognized or I never saw that before. Um, yeah, I don't know. That that's my experience with trash. I, I, I um, there's some there's some things. That's why I'm asking Nicole as we're going along. But I'm going to change up some of my recycling habits. Um, yes, please. To not pollute our our so, world. I will give you a visual that should I hope sticks with you. When you put your zero start recycling into your container and we haul it away, we end up taking it in a tractor trailer load to. Um, a recycling facility in Rutland and it's like a system of conveyor belts and different electrical mechanical processes that like help separate it out but it's not perfect which means there are people standing on that line which means if you put schmutz in a container and that container goes in our container and it goes in a truck and it ends up in this warehouse and it sits for a second before we get there Pepe Le Pew thinks that's home and you may or may not get a whole bucket load if you're the first guy on the conveyor belt or the first couple of guys on the conveyor belt that has Pepe Le Pew in it so remember, your schmutz equals Pepe Le Pew equals Pepe Le Pew on a conveyor belt, and a bunch of guys either having to pay the price or putting their hands up and waiting until he falls to the next level if he makes it. So they've been sprayed. Um, I never really heard stories about them being sprayed from skunks. Um, they usually like usually the the what I got was the response is throw your hands up in the air, back away, and hope he hits something on the way down. <laughs> I, I, so the reason I say this, and I won't name names, I was told Uh-oh. that you do not did not have to rinse out. I always rinse stuff out when I grew up. And then I was like, I hate rinsing out the spaghetti <laughs> or the soup or whatever out yeah. of this can or jar. And then this was a few years back, like, no, you don't have to worry about it. We just sort through everything and it's all good. So I'm like, oh, I don't have to clean it. Uh, I apologize. That's Even okay. last week I had spaghetti jar and I'm just like, oh, the spaghetti. <laughs> I was thinking in my head, like everything that I wanted, I wanted to rinse this jar out with spaghetti but then in my head i'm like i don't have to i don't need to yeah so i walked out and dumped it right in the recycle balls i'm like i'm doing my part i'm recycling now i apologize to whoever got that in the conveyor belt <laughs> batteries i'll work on that too yes uh, so there's a few things i'm not i'm not uh my my, my lack of garbage disciple <laughs> or uh, changing has been different or we'll get better we'll get better so um, Nicole, yes, we'll, we'll get away from work. Um, <laughs> what, what any hobbies that you do that we don't know about? Uh, Obviously, you're. I know you're. You like hiking. Yes, you like I skiing. Do. I do. Are you a forty sixer? Not yet. You, is that your goal of yours? Yes. Okay. Where are you at now? You think? Eighteen, I believe. I believe you, I'm at eighteen. Okay. How long have you been hiking those? Um, eighteen I, over how many years, roughly? Quite a few. I think I started when I was. Maybe 21, 22. So maybe over the past, I don't know. Was that, so were you years. in Lake Placid at that time? Yeah. I I started, like, I think I did my first high peak when I was maybe junior, senior year of college. Um, so you traveled to, to come do then? Well, and that from was... From Potsdam? Yeah, that's why I ended up moving to Lake Placid because I would literally drive an hour and a half to be at a trailhead at 6 o'clock in the morning. Mm. And if you're going to hike, like, mm-hmm. all day long, when I was in college, uh, was I still in college at the time? Yeah, I think I was still in college at the time. Um, I ended up doing like a 14-hour hike over three high peaks. It was like a 20-mile trip. And we left We left before 
dawn and we got home when it was dark and i was just so exhausted like like you started worrying like could you get to the trailhead in time would you be too tired driving home or to Mm -hmm. the mountain would you would you have enough energy to get off the mountain and usually the stuff that i started going on was really far out and i've done a fair amount of hiking alone like i did a lot of my high peaks solo hiking um and there's not a lot of places that you can bring dogs or that i mm, there are 46 or dogs out there I don't confidently know the rules and I have small horses, so eh, I don't always feel comfortable bringing them with me. So if you're alone in the middle of the woods and you're like 10 miles out, mm-hmm. like you don't just pick up your phone and call 911. And I really didn't want to be in the papers and be the guy who got lifted out in the helicopter. So, yeah. so I moved closer because I was, <laughs> yeah, makes sense. I mean, do, when like what, what's your, what do you get out of hiking? Like, why do you like hiking? I, I mean, I like the exercise of it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Believe it or not, to me, hiking those really, really long stretches and high peaks are is probably more challenging than prospecting and making cold calls because it is so defeating to me. I'm not a crazy fit person and I've never been. Like, I've never been a person who would go to the gym regularly or exercise regularly. I just love being in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um and so to be able to accomplish that when I'm not the most fit person out there and have to go through those mental phases, especially when you're hiking alone, mm-hmm. um, of just keeping yourself uplifted and positive and that whole self-talk that you have for 14 hours mm-hmm. <laughs> in the, alone in the woods. Do you usually go by yourself too when you do these? Um, I would say 50-50. Yeah. I'm, I'm, for a while, I haven't been doing as many over the past couple of years with work and stuff, but um, when I was younger, like end of college and early after college, I did a ton alone Mm -hmm. and I would just go and go and go and go. Um, which is just a neat experience to have the independence and the confidence. And like, I'm scared of the dark. So especially I'm a scared, I'm scared of the woods at night. Like, you know, when coyotes are following you a little far on the outskirts, like they're there, there's Mm -hmm. nothing you can do about it. They're there and you're alone in the woods, like freaks me out. So I just like the being able to push myself through that. Um, and I like, Again, with the goal setting, like 46, you've got a number that you've got to pick off. And what's your strategy behind it? And how fast are you going? And, you know, can you pick up the pace? Can you take a few more on? Could you do a few more in a day than you did before? So um, I like that. And obviously just the nature. I mean, I grew up in the middle of the woods. There's a couple places that I found in the Adirondacks that were so remote that by the time you got to the mountaintop, unless there was someone on a neighboring mountaintop or, you know, the one that you were on, you could do a 360-degree turn and not see a single building, a single power line, a single road. You know, you're out there. Um, and I just like the remoteness of it. What's your favorite one that you've done? Mm. Probably. What's your favorite one? And then what's, what's the one with the best view? Ooh. Okay. Favorite one that I've done so far would have been a trip. Um, I did skylight or not skylight, um, saddleback basin and haystack. And we went up through the garden um, which for people who know is in the Keene area and, um, you're going down the slides of Saddleback rather than having to climb up these really steep slides. Um, but you're going up the higher mountains as you go. And Haystack is, <clears throat> I don't know, it's one of the top five, I think. I can't remember what number it is, but it's one of the tallest mountains out there. Um, other than Marcy. And it was just such an experience because there were so many mountains and between every mountain you like pretty much went all the way down in elevation and all the way back and so it was mountain after mountain and as you went particularly on basin they actually had the old um 
I don't know what you call them, but when they did the the survey where they decided what what 46 peaks constituted the high peaks over mm-hmm. what they thought was the 4,000 foot range at the time, like way back in the late 1800s, you're so far out, you can no longer see civilization, yet there's metal drilled into the bedrock of the mountain that people use to do this, this survey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just like the history of it and thinking of like, if I barely made it out here now, like yeah. people did this in the 1800s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the experience of just going that far and that long, so it's almost 20 miles. Um, so it was my favorite trip. My The best view in my opinion, is Skylight. So... Is that in Keene also? It's up and over Mount Marcy. Okay. And Mount Marcy is where? In Keene, too. Okay. Uh, that, that general area, out obviously, in the woods there. Okay. Um, so if you, like most people, I, I don't even know. I'd have to look at a map to see north, south, east, west. But you take a main approach over Mount Marcy. Most people don't come back and over the backside of Mount Marcy. But if you were to go up and over from the main approach to Mount Marcy, you come down just a little bit to a four-way corner. Um, and it's really this little spur, but, um, it's skylight. And again, one of the, I don't know, top five or 10, but it was so cool. Cause you could see like these rippling rain mountain ranges where you could see that glaciers had carved out the landscape around you. Um, it was just really, really neat. And again, super, super remote. Um, we hiked through a bog. So we went by Lake Tierra of the Clouds, which is the feeder, the highest elevation feeder lake for the Hudson. Um, starts there mm-hmm. at like 4,000 feet and or above 4,000 feet and there was like a bog above 4,000 feet and I love swamps and bogs I think they're super cool so you're like walking on these planks floating through bogs super super high up in the middle of the woods so yeah really cool experience I love it out there um that's that's fun. now <laughs> a little odd I'm sorry no that's, that's like I said this is this is like a perfect you went from like very career driven to <laughs> she's playing out in bogs feet above, above ground um is is it true that i heard this too i'm not sure if it's correct is the adirondacks the oldest mountain range in the country Ooh, i don't know or i could be wrong on that for some yeah fact, fact check, check this I, now I, i'm so, curious i don't know I, I heard now i don't know if it's true or not like, yeah but i wouldn't be surprised if it was but i don't know um I don't know how you'd even, def- I mean, obviously, if you're yeah, going by rocks, cause, because I'm guessing they're going by, like, oh, the like height the of the rock at the very top, because obviously that, whatever the age of that would be, to me, would be the, yeah. the early or the latest, or most far back hitting that peak. I don't know. I don't know who told me that, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was. I mean, in regards huh. to just, like, mountain ranges, I, I've hiked, I'm a... I only have what is it forty? I only have forty four more to go. I got two <laughs> under my belt. What ones did you do? Um, Cascade and Porter, which oh yeah, like that's the, where I started. Yeah, they're like the two easy. <laughs> so there, I'm under the coal plan, so I'll get there eventually. Um, I have uh, zero motivation to do all forty six. <laughs> I'm, I'm different. I mean, it's one that man, maybe I don't know. Maybe I'll get in the hiking, but I always find I, I don't know. I like. So I'll give you my exact recap of going up those two mountains because they're they're close to each other, the peaks. Yeah, yeah. Like you go up and they're probably like it's really not that far of a trip to hit both of them. I remember going up. You start off. This is my hierarchy of the. So you get there, you get, you're like, okay, ready to go. You start hiking, like okay, getting used to it, getting used to it. Then you kind of find a groove, and then you're just like you like at that point you're just like monotonous, like any kind yeah. of distance thing. So then I get to a certain point where it's like. Oh, this is kind of fun. I can see why people people are coming down, people are going up. I can. It's kind of cool. 
Then I get to the point about two thirds up the mountain. Where I'm like, are we almost there yet? Like I feel like a little kid in a car and a trip. <laughs> are I'm like, yet? are we there are yet? there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> hey, somebody's done before. How much longer? Oh, we still got like a little bit more. Forty five more minutes. Okay, keep trudging. Forty five more minutes. How long did it take you? I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just throwing ideas. It took me a little more than forty five minutes. Well, I mean, I've gone up Poco probably in about forty forty five. That about I right. Know I haven't done Poco before. That's my jam. I've been up there a few times, but it's not a forty. It's you might be practiced. It's not a high peak. Um, but but you go up like, and then you get to the point where I'm like, are we there yet? Then we get to the point where you probably got like ten percent left, and you're like, we're near the top, and like, no 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 no, we still got another like ten minutes, and you're like, are you kidding me? Oh my god! Then you get up there, and it's like, oh, we're there, and it's beautiful, and and uh, love it. You know, everybody's having a good time. We're at the top of the mountain. Very cool. Looks pretty. Then. You're up there, usually have lunch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then you start coming back down. I like coming back down just because, oh, like, because yeah. like it's quicker. Like, oh yeah. I'm just this is me. I just to me it's like it's like a time thing. Like I, I so this every single time I get all the way down, I go walking out to go back to the car. There's always a sense of relief. Like thank God I'm done because by that time <laughs> I'm not like pumped up that I climbed this mountain. Yep. And then I think I've done this every single time I come down. Even like Pokemoncha or whatever it's called. Yeah, Pokemoncha. Yeah. Even when I get down it. I think in my head as I'm walking to the car, why the hell did I just spend two to four to six hours walking up that hill to come back down? I don't get enough out of it. I really don't. Oh my I, gosh, I know, this is, I know this is something that I always like. I always like feel embarrassed telling like hikers, but like I'm not a hiker. I've never That's okay. been. Not and, everybody but is. But I, I think it's cool. I think like, don't get me wrong. The view up there is amazing. I think the yeah. view like, I love the, like when you're up there, it looks so cool. Yeah. But I always like in my head, I'm like, I now granted, this is probably just because I'm wired like a crazy person. But I always <laughs> think like, say it's like, I don't know, Cascade what was it four hours, maybe top to bottom. I'm just, th- I don't know how much it was top to bottom. Don't no. ask me. Was it that long? I less? used, I used to run it in the morning before work. Nicole, crazy. <laughs> She's crazy. We don't, we don't do, I, I do not run mountains. I, I, uh, I trudged up the mountain. So, so I got up there, but I think this every time in my head, when I come out of the mountain, that I'm like, why did I just spend... I don't know. That's me. Like that much time up on the mountain. Because I don't know. Because it was peaceful. Because you got away but then from I think, but then cranky I think about, people. But then I think about that. Like I get it. Because I, when I hike, I my phone's um, probably don't have service to begin with. But I yeah. turn my phone off. Like yeah. I don't even look at my phone when I get up there. I'm like fifty fifty on whether I even take a photo up there. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm I not like pictures. I'm not like getting my Instagram photos up there. Yeah. I think all the photos that I have that have been up there were people that sent them to me. I, I just yeah. like I really like just like zoning out. Yeah. And like absolutely. going up. I don't wear headphones. I just like because yeah, usually I'm, I've, I've always hiked with people, which is one. So you're talking, yeah. which is nice. But even just like going through, I do like the nature aspect because it allows yeah. my mind just to kind of like decompress. Um, but. I'm also one where I'm like, I could have done that in about an hour versus the three hours it took. I don't know. That's, but, but I gotta, I gotta, I don't know. Maybe I just, I don't do it enough or see like the value. Maybe as I get a little older, I haven't gone hiking to be honest in a couple, probably a couple of years now, but, oh, um, we'll get you out there. Yeah. I would love to go. I mean, I, I should, I should go with you and Adam. Well, I should go Adam, with you. I, I should go with you. Cause I know Adam's Adam's like the, so, okay. We're talking about Adam Crosley here. Adam, if I go on one of these things, Adam's gonna be like, "Let's just go back. Would let's go bushwhacking over to that peak." I'm, okay, well, I'm, that's I'm a tra- I'm a trail guy. I'm going up the trail. This is when Adam and Buck took me up to the top of Whiteface. When I was told I should not go to the top of Whiteface. Oh, and you like almost rolled your face down. <laughs> Did you hear about this story, Adam? <laughs> no, I haven't heard a thing, Galen. I haven't heard a thing. Okay. <laughs> so we go we go up to the Chamber Ski Day. I haven't skied in two years. I go to Whiteface. I've been scared to death to go skiing at Whiteface because I've been a Titus guy. I can ski every trail at Titus. <laughs> many I am, hills, I am, many hills, I am my friend. I'm comfortable at Titus. 
I'm like, white face. I can't do white face. I literally, I swear to God, ask Adam how many times I've been talking to him about, can I do white face? I'm like, yeah, sure. Come up with me. Go to white face. So I get there. I'm nervous. One, I can't put my damn boots on. So, <laughs> but then, then we go up. We go on like whatever the first trail was. And like, I didn't fall, which is, which is good for me. Mm-hmm. But I got it like all the way down. I'm like, okay, I feel decent. And then all of a sudden we go up and like, well, let's go down a, a, a whatever, the blue triangle or blue square. Yeah. And I'm like, I got down that and I felt decent. Like I felt like I kind of had my feet well, under yeah, me. Well, yeah. I mean, you didn't have any breaks. So it was fine. <laughs> yeah. So I felt like good. Like I'm like, okay. Then they're like, we're going to go down the black diamond. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like I'm not doing that. Well, But you just followed suit. Yes. Adam's so, like, we're all going to be idiots. And Galen's like, yeah. Well, I was, no, I didn't say yeah. I was just like, I was kind of like, yeah. Like, I don't want to be allowed man out. So Adam skied many, many times. Buck was the next ski instructor. I So I follow these guys down. Uh, Luckily, they stopped at every kind of like little, like before they get to yeah. the next dip to make sure I wasn't dead. But I kind of <laughs> stayed with them. So then we did like, we did a few trails, blah, blah, blah. So then we had a beer at the lodge and we went down, had lunch, had another beer. So I'm like... I think I gave you my last beer. So I had a couple of beers. And I'm like, did. well, let's go back up for another run. So it was me, Adam, and, and Buck. The girls stayed behind. And they're like, we're going to go to the top. And I'm like, uh, yeah, let's go to the top. <laughs> so we get all the way to the top. And and anybody that's been to Whiteface, I mean, the top top. Like the one where they, they yeah, get up there and there's a sign that says the start of the olympic whatever race. oh yeah yeah, yeah. So okay i'm looking at that i'm like this is my like sixth time in my life on skis i should not <laughs> you're be going on there. an olympic run <laughs> yeah like maybe fifth fifth or sixth i have not been on a lot so then i get up there and you take a left off the ski slope and people again that skied you can vision this i think if you go straight down that's the run i was told to take if you ever go up there to go down it I don't okay know, i don't know which one it is yes i have an idea i don't but i don't do that that often so but what, I know what, what do talking. Adam and Buck do. They go down and then take a quick left and basically just drop off the face of the earth. Oh, no. And and literally, like, I was the last one off the ski lift, so I'm, like, kind of behind them. Like, I don't know where I'm... I don't know the mountain. I have no... I don't even know yeah, where to Yeah, you don't turn. know how to get off. So all of a sudden, like, I'm there. Adam just goes, whoop, whoop, down the thing. And then Buck goes, whoop, whoop, down the thing. And then I'm like... <laughs> so in my head, I'm like, well, here's the fuck it moment. I'm just going to go. So well, we I, like your GF a little. <laughs> so I go down. I like stop like for a split second. This is like I've never go skydiving, but this is about the equivalent of me skydiving. I like look over the edge and it is straight down. It is the visibility up there sucks. The wind had picked up and it had gotten icy. This was Ooh. after I also had a couple drinks. My first run in probably an hour and a half because we, we <laughs> yeah, were down there for a little bit. Yeah, we, so like yeah. I get up and I'm like, oh my God. Had I done it probably before lunch, I think I would have uh. been okay. I go down carve a little bit i hit a point where i hit some ice and just spin out lose a ski no. luckily the ski <laughs> rolled down right to me where i didn't have to move and i could just catch nice. it well then i tried to put my ski on <laughs> and that took a few minutes because it's so slopey that i couldn't like jam my foot know, down to this damn hard. thing and um so then i finally get it in i'm like great so buck's like okay i'm gonna wait for him adam was already down the bottom oh yeah adam's so, like screw it i'm going yeah so buck's up there waiting so i kind of go down I'm, carving a little bit well i'm not going a little as wide as i should i hit another spot well instead no. of just like spinning out i probably flipped over oh it's a yard sale oh god i flipped over six to ten times that i could probably remember oh and i'm god. just like hitting and it, luckily i had a helmet oh, yeah. on yeah i got done i didn't realize my my goggles had snapped off i i luckily kept did you no, lose your goggles? I lost. No, my, well, no, they stayed on my head. My, they stayed on. Luckily, oh, the, the back where they were connected popped off, which Got I didn't it. realize till later. Mm-hmm. Um, 
lost both my skis. <laughs> only only kept my poles because they were on my hand. And like kind of like I finally like kind of stopped where I slid. I don't know how far I actually stopped, but like kind of looking up at Buck, Buck was pretty far behind me. So I probably fell a good probably 50 yards maybe, uh. I'm guessing, down this hill. So then finally, like, I'm kind of like disoriented, but I'm like, I, the first thought as I'm falling down this hill is, yeah. I like, don't break anything, don't hurt your, like, because oh, yeah. there's no control. Like, I'm literally just No, flipping. I know, so and you're like flipping at a high to, speed. And I'm like, I, like, uh, so Buck comes down, gives me my skis, I get on my skis, I'm like, okay, I still have half the damn mountain, <laughs> like, half, half this, like, portion to go down. <laughs> So I, I luckily make it all the way down. Yeah. So then I meet down there and Adam's like sitting there, he's chit-chatting with some people and he kind of looks at me, he goes, he goes, uh, uh, how was it? And I go, well, he goes, you took a spill, didn't you? I go, yeah. I said, oh, did you see? He goes, no, I could just see the big cloud of white, white <laughs> snow from down the mountain. <laughs> so I ended up at that point, I don't even know where at the, I think it was with Skyward. I think it's, it was called mm, Skyward, Skylight, so. something like Skyward, that. Skyward, I think it's So we're at the top one. I got to the base of that, and then I made it down the mountain fine. Yeah. But it was like that one section, which I know now I'm like, Ugh. I probably could if I go again. I would just have to go after a few runs or maybe my second time back to cut yeah. my legs. But I finally made it all the way down, and uh, long ways from there all the way down, and then I think we were done. We had envisioned about, you guys had all left, and we had envisioned going back out. And I'm like, eh, I'm good. We're going to go get some candy man and head home, so... <sighs> It's tough. I But that was, yeah, it was rough. Skiing, like I've taken so many falls skiing and I told you. You said you had a bad one at one point. I've had several bad ones. Yeah. And like when I was a teenager, I dislocated my thumb skiing and got a concussion and like woke up halfway down the mountain, like realizing right. my thumb's dislocated, like not remembering if I, where I was or how I got there. Mm-hmm. Um, I rode my face down. I told you I rode my face that down was the mountain underneath yes. mountain run where like I could hear everybody laugh, literally rode the face all the way down. <laughs> Uh, feet over my head, like faces just skiing. Um, uh, and I have had some enough concussions where like it's concerning at this point. All, all from skiing? Mostly from skiing. Okay. And others from just being a dumbass. But um, I didn't know if you played sports or anything. No, no, no. The only sport that gave me concussions, we'll say, was skiing. skiing. Okay. But I've had enough that it's wildly concerning. And it's it's crazy because like skiing... You don't realize until you're on the mountain, like, how quick of a decision can be a bad decision. I remember I um, I went backcountry skiing for my first time, and I had had a few minor concussions, no major concussions, so I still wasn't skiing with a helmet at the time, which mm-hmm. is wildly stupid mm-hmm. to anybody out there who skis without a helmet. Stupid. Um, you look cool. You definitely look cool without a helmet. Don't get me wrong, but you need to wear one. <laughs> um, so I had just had shoulder surgery to repair a dislocated shoulder and like it was mostly good but like I was just pretty much right out of rehab from the surgery and just allowed to take the um I don't know all this stuff off the sling off and I thought doing backcountry skiing would be wonderful so I'm the only person I had back I have backcountry skis that's what I use on the regular mountain um like downhill backcountry skis. And I'm like, yeah, I got the cool setup. Like, it's good. Like, I'm going to figure this out. And then I look around at everybody, and everybody has scales. Everybody has scales on the bottom of their skis. Which, which means, is? Um, you, you, you've seen cross-country skis before, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the underneaths of them, how they have, they have, like, these little oh, sorry, I know rivets and yep, scales. Yep, yep. They help you going up, but they do slow you down a bit going down. Mine didn't have scales. And it, granted, we didn't need the scales because it was you're you, skinning up. Do you up. hike up with the skis on? You, it's called skinning. Like it's like um, 
this it feels like velvet it's like a piece of material that you stick to the bottom of your skis mm -hmm. and it feels like velvet and you just ski up the mountain um so kind of grips as you're going up yeah okay. it's really cool how it works it works really really well so anyway i didn't think about like the scale side of it until everybody's like grannying along and here i am just shooting through the trees and like they're tight trees and i've never shot through the trees before not wearing a helmet barely have a shoulder attached i'm oh, right-handed it's my right arm and like we at one point we're like trying to ski over a kinda, stream. Can you kind of cut and carve your way well, through those? Well, if you're skilled, you could. But you I know, mean, it's, I'm it's almost like slaloms, right? Because it's very tight. Oh, it's, yes. You know, skilled people would be easily carving through that and yeah. picking their lines. Nicole, on the other hand, yeah. went like starfish style. <laughs> oh god. And like at one point, I remember hugging a tree because it was the only thing I could do to stop. Like I couldn't. You can't pizza when the trees are tight. No. No. No, no, no pizzas. <laughs> no pizzas. <laughs> and I like hugged a tree and I realized like as I was hugging the tree that I had so much momentum, I was still going to swing past. So the oh, only arm God. that was holding onto it was the one that I had recently had sewed back together. <sighs> Skiing's not for the unskilled. I might be unskilled. <laughs> uh, I think if you do it enough, you just become, you can like fake it till you make it kind of thing. Yep, or because I don't think or you die. I, think I mean, it's really good. the option. I, I I thought you were pretty good when we went, but then again, like I said, it. I don't. I, I mean, I I think part of the time I wasn't really focusing on other people because I was shit, like my were... head was don't don't, don't crash. I forgot like, how to pizza. There, there's times <laughs> my most dangerous time, my best time skiing, is when I'm like I'm kind of just past the control point where I'm a little out of control. <laughs> I find that I I don't have time to think, so I just react. Yeah, I'm a much better reactor when I think about what I'm doing. That's when I like, whoa, okay. Like I, even just like going flat down, a, down, like, you know, when you sometimes come out and you're just kind of hitting a real flat portion yeah. where it's just straight away and you really, you know, you got to keep the speed. Like that's the time where I almost spin out because I'm just kind of like, I'll look one way and I'll be like, whoa, whoa. Like, you get distracted. I, I, yeah, I get distracted. I'm very distracted. So like if I can go down a mountain where I'm more concerned on just not hurting myself, I'm usually just Hilarious. like, just like skiing down and carving down. Um, I'm a very out of control skier with very poor technique. And I remember going down and Buck's like, Buck's like, kind of agree. He's like, you got it. Yeah, you see me. I'm like, Buck's like, you got, you got to turn here and here. I don't know how to. I don't. I've never been taught to ski, so I'm oh, literally just you like, do some lessons, man. I know. I, I just. I swear to God, like I'm survival mode when I ski. I'm just bombing. Down. I'm having a blast doing it. But oh. I'm not, if somebody looked at me, my technique is. You'd be. You would. You'd be concerned about my skiing going down the mountain, and I think. Um, I think Buck and Adam has said a couple times, like, hey, do this with yeah, your knees like or your things. Actually and I'm, do something here. <laughs> yeah. I'm just sitting there. Like, you barrel right through. Yeah. So um, love it, though. I can't wait to go back. But that's, uh, I think when I actually got there, which I'm glad I didn't because I didn't, it took me years to put them on. But I was like, <laughs> I think I called Adam, like, hey, because everybody was like wearing their boots from the car in. And I'm like, yeah. Do, do we put the boots on in the, do we put the boots on? At the car or do we put them in the lodge and Adam's like i usually just wear my nan i'm like i'm gonna walk them in because i one i don't know really know how to put them on and two like i'm sure they're gonna hurt so i don't want to be sitting around in these, these boots all day which oh, you end up being so, so now that i know that when i yes. go i'll just wear boots and yes, leave my shoes in the car leave your gear in the car yeah so i'm learning but i've been once so i'll get better as we go along oh yeah um it now nicole anything else that you want to touch upon that Anything else that, that you wanted? I, I, I had down. No. Um, I don't know. I don't know why I put hunting and fishing. Did you go hunting and fishing? I haven't learned to hunt yet. I learned how to shoot this year. 
I got my first gun this year, but I haven't. I wanna, I'm a big fisher. We talked about that. I want to go. To, I want to go to the, uh, to the camp. To the camp. The, yes. the camp of Palooza that we're gonna camp. have. We're gonna host this year. Camp of Palooza. You, you guys Woo! have talked about it, but you got to make it happen because I think it'd be fun. Well, we we have Camp of Palooza like almost every weekend. I know. Everybody's just got to show up. I'm a, I'm a father <laughs> here. I, I got to have dates. I got I got to have times that I can sneak away. But yes. I would like like a nice like. Friday night in the summer kind of deal. Or yeah, Saturday it's gonna be night. like a camping only option. We work. What do you mean? Meaning camp. people should camp. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, like not bring, a drive home situation. No, no, no. Like I'll, I'll borrow like a tent because I know it's I don't have at, tent. You don't between. Well, mostly Adam. I think we own about seven or eight hammocks. You'll be good. Ooh. Yes, hammocking. Whoa, coolest about, thing in my tell life. Tell me about hammocking. All right, so do you put a cover on for bugs? Uh, they actually have like a mosquito net sewn into it uh, okay. on the top. Okay, so tell me about hammocking. So hammocking is wonderful. Um, it's kind of like being cuddled by your sleeping bag all night long. Um, but it's really nice because you don't have to find like a, a true camping spot. Adam and I are working on the Cranberry 50. And we, in my wild ambitions. What's Cranberry 50? <gasps> you showed me the Cranberry Galen. Is this you a work thing? In the Adir- yes. It's a really big thing. <laughs> I've never heard that in my life. <gasps> Do you know where Cranberry Lake is? I don't know. No. No? <laughs> <laughs> when I say I'm not an Adirondack person, oh, I'm like, like my I go to Lake Placid to like, go eat. Like, I don't. Uh, okay. Well, you're not going to eat out here unless you bring it with you. So, <laughs> so cran- cran- wait, tell me Cranberry Lake. Give me a very short synopsis on that. We'll get back to hammocking. Okay. Cranberry Lake, past Tupper Lake, big lake. Never been there. Okay. Um, you haven't been to Tupper? Oh, I've been there Tupper God. once to play golf, and to be it honest, hurts. it's okay. It hurts my soul. Um, that, wait, why Tupper Lake? You, you like Tupper Lake? Love it. Maybe Dude, we'll, there's like skiing, snowmobiling, cool people, food, is there beer. Skiing? What, what's skiing down there? What, what uh, they actually used to have a mountain there, Big Tupper. Oh. Um, they don't have lift service there, but you can skin up and ski down. Maybe we can do a day trip to Tupper. Yeah, it'd be cool. Like, maybe not like skiing, but like just like... Oh, yeah, go hang out. Know, they like have that. like the lumberjack... What's it called? The The... the lumberjack games or something great outdoor games i don't know people throw like hatchets and stuff it's awesome i would go down to that totally cool is that in the summer yes let's do a day trip down there in the summer perfect um that'd be fun yeah it'd be really cool so so cranberry lake cranberry lake is just past tupper lake and there's a trail that goes all the way around the lake cranberry lake is huge the trail that goes all the way around the lake starts in cranberry lake well depending on what side you go can you google cranberry lake i just need a reference point while you're talking um so it goes all the way around the lake, goes all the way down and around, and you end up on the other side in Wanakina, and all the way back through to Cranberry Lake. So you're hiking 50 miles. The trail's 50 miles long if you do the full loop. Okay. Um, and I thought that we were going to do that in three, three days. I think I predicted that we would do it in three days. Wait. The Cranberry Lake 50. Complete it all. It's 50 miles around. It's 50 miles around the lake. And you would... Hike the whole thing in three days. So you're just basically hiking along the shoreline. Um, I'm going to show you. You hike along the shoreline for a ways on the eastern side of the lake and the southern side of the lake. And then on the western side of the lake, you end up going up and around the Oswagachi. And then back into Wanakina. Which and then you is hike a from, river? Yep. Okay. And then you end up in Wanakina and you hike from the town of Wanakina from Cram- to Cranberry Lake. And in through the towns in the woods. Oh, okay. so anyway, you get a patch when you complete it. It's okay. like a wild feat. Like you've hiked fifty miles in the, the like some of the most remote wilderness. 
Um, and all right, I'm trying to pull this up. Oh, that's not what I want. That's um, a cool case background too. Oh, thank you. Um, so oh, it's just showing waypoints, but um, this is Cranberry Lake, and you've got to hike around all this like the little fingers that come out from it. You've got to hike all the way around all that to do the fifty. So anyway, oh, so like that's a bitch to go out there. Oh yeah, and that's where the Asogachi is. So you actually go a little farther west. So you're hiking like a really long ways and it's super, super remote out there, especially on the south side of the lake. Um, but we ended up, we ended up hiking this and it was like in the mm, mid range of my, my hammocking career, which is new to me. Um, and I will tell you hammocking when you have hiked like 10 or 15 miles in a day with a really heavy pack on your back feels like a massage and sleeping on the ocean at the same time and you don't have to like we couldn't find campsites we were all the way out at probably one of the farthest points out and we're like either way you turn is 25 miles back home and there were no campsites there was nowhere to sleep and we had the three dogs with us on top of it um so we ended up just making our own campsite in the middle of the woods and you didn't have to worry about it with a hammock like you're you're not looking for like a full tent site you don't have to look for a lean-to or anything you can just hang it on a bunch of trees all right, Galen's lost in the sea. No, no, this Lake. is. Can you just kind of like walk around that road? There's a little bit of road going on there. It there was part of it on the south side was a logging trail at one point. Like um, uh, I won't even say that. Like this whole, like this whole section right up here has like houses all along it. No, you actually don't go quite that far in. So you go actually. Let me see if I can find a trail map for you. Um, you mean that close to lakes? So you go kind of around those houses? Yeah, you... Um, Is there... I mean, there's obviously a trail designated for this. Like, it's mm-hmm, marked out? Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to do it in three days? No, I just, you know, I'm an idiot, but... Mm. Um, yeah. So there, that's the trail. So the lake's really big, and then you're going to make that trail a lot bigger. Holy crap. Okay, so... So it was remote. Yeah, so that's south side. You're really you're not even going on the water. No, not at all. How come you go that far out? Is there you said there's a mountain range there? So on the southern side, like all here on mm-hmm. like the northeastern side, mm-hmm. um, there's really cool, like super remote spots, really beautiful spots around Cranberry Lake, but then there are a couple ponds. Like we ended up like right here. Wait, like, so you've done this? I've done half of it. Well, a little over half of it. Um Wait, was that when you said you went to the twenty five mile mark? And how'd you get back? Uh well, I, we did find cell phone service and almost like, almost waved the white flag, which like, we've got a lot of pride to be in the woods and we're really proud of being like woodsy people and like nobody gives up. And I was in so much pain. Like I have really bad foot issues, like, Mm -hmm. and didn't practice ahead of time. had brand new boots on. It was horrible. Like I still have bruises on my feet from doing this almost a year ago. It was so bad. (laughs) I don't know what I did, but it was horrible. And... I wanted to call it quits. We were going to call his parents to have them bring their boat and boat out to us to the one point that we were at. And I was like, man, I can't do it. I can't give up. I can't give up. But I was literally in like screaming, crying pain (laughs) by the 25 mile mark. And like the dogs are chasing after people. Like I can't even walk. Oh yeah. Because of course you'd bring three small horses out in the middle of the woods. (laughs) You guys are crazy. Idiots. Um, But we ended up, there was like a shortcut to get back. And I will tell you, the whole point was hammocking was worthwhile because I actually survived the night by, well, the second night, um, by getting my little, my little cuddle session in with my hammock. 
but we ended up finding a way that you could cut off one section of it um and it made it about a 30 mile trip that we had done in like i don't know two and a half days or so um but we still have a big section to complete it's gonna be almost 30 miles to finish it so so you can go back finish that and still get your patch of course oh so it doesn't have to be continuous no you just have to complete all 50 um it, how, what's the elevation change there? Is it not much? It was really insignificant. So it's pretty much just it's just kind of like yeah, rolling, just going up rolling. And down. Yep. So what's the minus the new boots thing? It's not yeah. it's not that bad of a hike. It's just distance. No. Distance and it's been such a long time that I've hiked with a pack because I normally don't backpack overnight. Oh, true. I forgot overnight. about that. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Okay. I because I had been doing all my hikes alone, I wouldn't, to me, it was a little too far of a stretch for me to completely backpack, like A to B backpack, mm-hmm. um, and stay overnight by myself through that where it wasn't like an out and back. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done some solo camping, but not like that. So, um, and it's also weight wise, you have to carry more if you're going solo. So we split up between the two of us and it's, but it's just been so long since I carried a really heavy pack that it slowed us down a lot. And, the mental game of just you know we're overachievers so what should be done in five to eight days we wanted to do in three yeah and we had meetings the following day so <laughs> it's like am i really stuck out in the middle of the woods and can't make my meeting because i don't want to get a helicopter home <laughs> yeah it doesn't surprise me yeah the, uh, uh, yeah so, so so what what's hammocking involved I mean, do you find just two trees at a certain That's distance? That's it. Two trees. And then? Just tie it up, throw a tarp over if you think it might rain, and hop in. How high off the ground are you? Probably not high. How fat are you? No. <laughs> I just say how much, what, as long as you don't get way down to the ground, right? So you yes. probably put it, what, probably three, four feet off the ground? Um, I, yeah, I think that's, I like mine, like, starting shoulder height because even if you pull it taut so Mm -hmm. when all the strings are up before you climb in it's like perfectly horizontal um still at shoulder height i sink down enough that i don't want to be really close to the ground especially like with the dogs like um dax the puppy he'll sleep underneath of me um and i don't really you don't want to be bumping him yeah well he's a newfoundland like it's not like he's a tiny puppy so yeah (laughs) i don't want to be sitting on the dog all night long it kind of feels weird too i think for like you can kind of you can kind of feel the ground below you. You're not touching it, but you know it's close to you versus yeah. being a little bit higher up. Probably has a little more like comfort. Need my vantage point. Yeah. Like I ain't no critter's going to climb up underneath me. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's fun. It's nice. It's, it is very relaxing. It's incredibly comfortable. Um, usually we sleep You just with, have like a pillow that you sleep on or just no, you bundle we, up like a blanket or a hat or a sweatshirt? Um, so I use a sleeping pad still like you would use um, underneath your sleeping bag in a mm-hmm. tent. Um, because it helps, like you lose a lot of heat from yep, your backside in the yep. hammock. So I sleep on top of that and then bring a sleeping bag with me. And I usually don't even need a pillow, but if I do, I'll just bundle up some clothes or a jacket or something. And there is a bug net that goes over you? Yeah. It's actually like weaved. It's sewn in. So it's almost like, um, so it's like a cocoon that you just zip yourself into. So when you, okay. So when you flip in, it's not like, it's not just rope that you're laying in, but there's like, it's, it's more built in. It's like a full, it looks like, um, you know, the material or you like have a nice picture of the idea of a parachute material, the yep. nylon. Yep. Or nylon. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, so there's no like holes in it. No. I'm always thinking about the ones you see like at oh, someone's like backyard the and you yeah, kind of like, no. okay. <laughs> so yeah, I figured it'd be a little more, uh, rugged and, and, uh, actually camp, camp like, um, no, that sounds pretty cool. So I think at, uh. Campapalooza. Campapalooza. I, wanna, I like I this. Wanna, is there be enough 
I mean, there's trees I can I can. Well, I haven't cut in. them all down yet. I know, I know. <laughs> the last time I went up there, actually, it was funny because when Adam bought that, it was like five, six years ago. It was the first time I ever went there. Yeah. Then the yurt burnt down, and then they had all this land. He cleared yeah. it all out, and all of a sudden, he's like, yeah, I remember like the yurt? I'm like, yeah, I was like, that's right here. And we're <laughs> way up here now. And it was funny is like, I think I went up, like I said, I, for a sauna, which I basically yeah. was like a, just an extra set of arms to hold something in place. So I didn't really do, I didn't really bring you much. You helped out. It was good. It was good. I mean, it was nice. So, he, you know, helped it. It kept Adam from falling off and breaking himself because he's trying to do too much. But um wasn't very good. Um No, that would be fun. I think we should do that. Um, yes. Uh, uh, Cro- Crosley bonfire would be good. Yes. Smoke, smoke some cigars, have some drinks. Oh, yeah. That'd make me a happy. It'll happen. Happy camper. Camper. <laughs> yeah, so... No, I think that'd be good. I'm looking forward to that. I think a nice, like, July, August night would be oh, great. Oh, it'll happen. Don't you worry. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I, I think I'm in. I think, I think I'm in. <laughs> um, Nicole, anything else you want to add? I think we've I think we've touched on quite a bit. Did you... You don't mind the uh, podcast? I don't. You did well. You are good. You were actually... Really I, awkward. I was not as profane as I thought I would be. No. I, I like, really toned it down. I don't think you actually said any kind of I tried profanity. hard. I put on the mom we, we, voice. We put, uh, we put the explicit uh, rating on... I. I've had some people that are very good, <laughs> but knowing my friends and knowing some people, we've we've had a few that that warrant the the E on on the podcast. So, oh yeah, so yeah. which is fine, you know. We're we just we just we are who we are. So, um, <laughs> but the one good thing about you is like you you didn't get freaked out. Some people like don't know what to do with the mic. They hide. They duck. They like don't. They look up. Just I, wiggle around it. I, like I, I sometimes don't make eye contact just because I'm just my. Like, I don't know. Your just, own thought process. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm trying to figure out what I'm saying. But no, you did very well. I thought you did good on your first one. Not, not too bad listening to yourself. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> you kind of got, you got used to it though now, right? Doesn't yeah. it feel weird? Because like I can like step away like over here and you're talking, but it feels like I'm like Yeah, like you're in, right there. Like I'm like in Ugh. your like voice. It's very odd. If you've, never, yes. if you've never actually talked and heard yourself get played back into your head, like even just oh. yeah, like taking these off sounds so much different. Ah. And I put them on, and it's like ah. So that was cool. We had a good time. Um, That's awesome. So I yeah, I guess we'll, we'll end there. It's getting late. I want to go eat. I'm hungry. I, know. Um, I, I think they did very well. Appreciate it. I, I'm glad Appreciate you came the on. Invite. Yeah, I'm glad you came on and did it. So uh, guys, we will stop there. That is episode 20 of the Galen Trombley Show. We're out. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.